Hey everyone, welcome once again to Podcast in Death, the weekly podcast where we discuss the in-death series of books by J.D. Robb. I am AJ. I'm Jen. I'm Tara. And this is episode 191 of Podcast in Death. And in this episode, we're talking about celebrity in death. Woo! Which is, did you say it was one of your favorites, uh, Tara? Um, I don't know that it's one of my favorites. I just enjoy it. Yeah. I, yeah. It's I, a fun it's book. One of those, it's one of those books where it's, it comes off such a heavy book that it's <laughs> nice to have kind of a lighter book to follow it yeah. up. Right. And not to say any murder mystery is ever light, but in the grand scheme of these books, this one compared to New York to Dallas is light. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. So true. Yeah. <laughs> So. It's a hard one because it's like um, the main person that, that dies in this one is the person we don't care about. Yeah. No. We don't even like that bitch. It's, it's hard. It is hard to kind of get up enough emotion about that. Right. Death. Yeah. Cause you're like, uh, nobody liked her. So, you know? Yeah. I mean, I felt, I felt more sorry for the, the private investigator than I did for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. Yeah. So even though he was kind of shady, I mean, at least people liked him, you know, I mean, he seemed to be a decent human. He just did some shady shit, but yeah, I mean, some of our favorite characters do that. I've done some shady shit. Hi, Rourke. Yeah. (laughs) We're talking to you. (laughs) We're talking to you, Rourke. So, um, the, uh, the theme that I found for this book is want, things that you want things that you want and you can't get or that's a good one what you could do (laughs) what you do to get something that you want right yeah i like that you see it in like the very first uh chapter it was hard because you know the very first chapter there you're seeing the the movie being filmed from through eve's Mm -hmm. eyes right then she starts talking to marlo and stuff like that and you're like and i was reading through that and thinking like what is I, I can't see anything here that would say anything to a theme. And then um, at a certain point in the book, uh, it says that the director wants authentic. She asks Eve, how does the uh, the sets look? And Eve said, it looks really good. And Marla says, Roundtree, the director wants authentic. And what's he, what he wants, he gets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of a theme for this book, you know? I mean, that's why the murders happen because, you know. People want things. People want things and they have to do do what they can to get them. Not only the murderer, but also, um, but also KT. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big theme there because um, there was, there was that point where, her brother comes in and talks to Eve and he tells Eve about, you know, how she would use their mother to get against their father to get what she wanted. And yep. Yeah. We're like, we already didn't like her, but then. Yeah. <laughs> right. We're like, we, yeah. We yeah. were justified in not liking her. <laughs> yeah. Right. After, after that happened, it was like, she's trash. She is oh, like really yeah. trash. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I already thought she was trash. Like the way she oh, like, like possessive yes. with Matthew. Right. That was like the stuff with Matthew was and like the way that Julian reacted, those were the things that made me go, like, 
everything with Marlo, I was like, oh, she's jealous, which is also not excusable. But right. I was like, okay, we're just, we just have a little jealous bitch. And then we're like, oh my God, she's like possessive with Matthew. She's a bitch to Julian. She's a bitch to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Or threatening like Andy's family. Like it just, you're like, yeah, no one likes her. Yeah. Right. For good reason. Yeah. For good reason. Even like how she treats, what's her name? Who works for Asner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, now she treats Peabody the first time she, she meets treats, her. Yeah, she treats Peabody like, like she's like, whatever. Yeah. You're not say that shit. Yeah. Like, you're rude. So also, you know, I mean, when I'm looking at the theme, I'm looking at things that Eve says in relation to or thinks in relation to her and Rourke's relationship. Mm-hmm. And there was a point in the book where um, she's she's coming home from being at work. And she's thinking, um, she says, she drove through the gates, rolled her shoulders back. One evening, she reminded herself as she saw the glory of home. And then it says, next time she had a full evening free, and if the weather stayed mild, she and Rourke would have dinner on one of the terraces. Do the whole wine and candlelight thing, maybe walk around the estate in the starlight. She'd never thought of doing these things before Rourke never wanted them. But now there was Rourke and there was home and there was a want to cherish both whenever she could. Aww. But again, you know, it's like that. She could have said that in a number of ways, mm-hmm. but her, her saying she wanted that mm-hmm. she never wanted yeah. them before, but now she wants it. Right. That's why that's, you know, when I was like, Oh, okay. That makes sense for the theme. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, it does. Also, the the extra like other um, cases that come in that don't seem like they have anything to do with the plot in general usually have something to do with the theme. And in this case, she was talking to uh, Santiago and Carmichael about a case that they have. It's somebody. It was like a gang murder or something. Mm-hmm. And Eve tells them, "Look for an initiate, younger banger wannabe." So. A banger wannabe, wannabe. or mm-hmm. a girlfriend who's not a full combat member. Another banger would mo- more likely use a sticker, pipes a weapon of opportunity, and any self-respecting banger wants to cut, not to bash. Okay. Yeah. But the whole thing, you know, and then later on when uh, I think it's Matthew, when they are interviewing him and he's talking about KT and he's talking about who wants somebody who doesn't want them. And apparently KT does. Yeah, KT. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I mean, everybody at some point wants somebody that doesn't want them, but they don't go to the lengths that she went to. Right, right. They don't like expect them to just fall in line and like go along with it. And yeah. she kind of does. So part of this this theme is, you know, what do you do to get what you want? People, what do people do to get what they want? Yeah. And horrible people doing horrible things to get what they want. Yeah. Essentially. Essentially. Yeah. Anyway, so like we've already said, this book starts off with Eve on the set, even Peabody on the set of the uh, of the movie. And Peabody's like fangirling. <laughs> of course. All over Marlo and yeah. Of course and over KT at first. You know. Yeah, because yeah, which is which is all fair. Like, I mean, that that's so like 
beyond anything that anyone ever would expect, you know? And like most people, most people, Mm -hmm. even if they're not like crazy about it, but think it's pretty fucking cool to be like, I am the subject in a movie and there is a famous actor, award-winning actor playing me. Like, you know, Eve is very much in a minority here. Not necessarily like fangirl level, but there's, there are very few people who would be like, yeah, it's annoying that they're making this like movie about me. Like, well, <laughs> everything's annoying to be fair. That's true. She yes. does, uh, which is fine. But it's, you know, so of course Peabody is like, this is a very talented actor and they're portraying this thing that I experienced. And, you know, and of course Peabody is the kind of person who just has a tendency to really ruminate on like just anything that, you know, anything she's ever like, dreamed about you know she's very like typical as far as um someone we can relate to like there are a lot of people who have been like how cool would it be if there was a movie about my life how cool would it be to meet celebrities like that's a that's a pretty common thing so i love it and then yeah like then katie is like rude to her she's so she's so nice like i just oh yeah so the other thing though is that to be fair I don't know if annoyed necessarily is, I mean, she does act annoyed. Eve does uh, that they're making a movie about her, but I don't um, know that she's actually annoyed. I think that yeah, she's like, this is, it's this is a thing that's happening that is like in the way of, of her normal level of comfort. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you said, it's and, uncomfortable. Like she's like, Oh, okay. You yeah. Know. And we've already talked about how, um, Eve, just because of her background, you know, spends a lot of time like trying, not necessarily trying not to be noticed uh, in terms of clothes she decided to wear, you know, now that she's with Rourke, she's, she's being noticed more. And that's something she's not very comfortable with. I also feel like Eve is, Eve doesn't necessarily see the purpose of the idea of being the center of something right you know like as far as the center of attention like she's not unaware of the fact that people are yeah or people are gonna be like that's Rourke's wife you know she's not unaware of like this impact or anything it's just like yeah that's not that's not useful to me I am here to do a job or I'm here you know what I'm saying like she's she's at this point in this in this scene she's fulfilling the agreement that she made to come be on set and it's not at all something that's interesting to her you know but yeah it's just eve is not that eve is a this has to be useful to me she just is one of those people that needs to be productive and you know yeah and i just and and i love her (laughs) in terms of so you know when we review the reviews obviously um we're constantly hearing people talking about eve needs to get over her trauma and so not understanding Eve's trauma, right? But part right. of how Eve is because of her trauma, trauma like that, when you when it happens to you, um, a lot of people, their natural response is you, you don't want to be noticed. That's, you know, Eve yeah. probably spent a lot of her childhood trying not to be noticed. Well, so, I mean, we know that she did. Yeah. So <laughs> being noticed is dangerous. Yeah. and. And that's not something that you lose just because you've grown up, you know? Um, 
Yeah. It still stays with you being, being noticed, being center of attention is a dangerous thing. And so, yeah, that's why she's uncomfortable with all of this. Yeah. It's just not for her. (laughs) Not just not for her. And poor Peabody. I'm sure it would seem fine if Marlo's like, Hey, can talk to KT and I'll take, you know, Eve and, I was like, oh, they're just abandoning her with this horrible person. But I, I guess when I first read it, I would probably was like, oh, okay. Right. But, um, <laughs> and now you're like, well, that's not fun for her. That is not fun for Peabody at all. No. <laughs> you know, because KT, like Jen said, is a horrible person and said some really horrible things to, um, to Peabody. To Peabody. Yeah. That she needs to be more assertive or something. Like, yeah. what does that even fucking mean, ma'am? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 okay, but I, I, I remember I read this book and then I, I went back and I read or- Origin because I was like, okay, like, what is, what is the story that was being written? You know, it had been a minute since I'd yeah. read Origin. Yeah. And I remember being like, what the fuck did Peabody do in this book that made KT think she was like nothing? Like so gross. Because she's, bitch. I mean, because she's because she wasn't she the star to, of the story. Listen to her. I mean, yeah. yeah, no. Well, and it's really well, funny. You don't like, understand Hollywood, but you don't understand police work, bitch. Right, but it's right. like what it like. I'm not sure what why you're mad at at Peabody for being this particular person in this real yeah. life story are like, you know, I feel like she probably wanted, she probably wanted to play Eve and she yeah. did not fit the characteristics, the physical characteristics of the role. Right. And they're like, you know, and she probably has like lost other things to Marlo in the past because Marlo yeah. has the awards and she, you know, it's just, I was like, this girl is just petty as fuck. And now she's like talking to a real person who she's supposed to be portraying in a film. And she's like, yeah, yeah if you're anything like this person, you're terrible. And like, okay, she was nothing but nice to you. Right? <laughs> right? What a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. so during the time that Eve is with Marlo, she gets a call and, you know, uh, to there's another murder she has to go out and investigate and marlo's all like oh my gosh you got a call like right when we're <laughs> so it's so funny that marlo is kind of fangirling over eve i love that marlo fangirls over eve she's like just like any of the other people that eve walks to the door and like oh my god eve dallas is here and he was like yeah there was a murder down the hall like right you know it's like it's that same like energy and this i love like, it but the first time she's getting it because she gets it after the movie comes out but yeah you know, yeah right. But Marla's all, oh my God, it's Eve Dallas. And she's like, oh, okay, whatever. She's like, I'm just uh, me. I don't know. So um, even Peabody investigate this murder and it's kind of open and shut. Yeah. They, they close it pretty quickly. But again, it's the whole thing is about the, the two guys and the boyfriend murdered the guy because his, you know, boyfriend was going to leave him. So yeah. he wasn't, he wasn't going to get what he wanted. He wanted like marriage and all of that. He wasn't, no, he wasn't they were married. They, oh, they were, oh yeah. The guy yeah, was going to ask for a divorce. Cheating on oh no, he wasn't. Was he cheating on him? Well, the, the murderer thought he was. Yeah, that's, that's right. Never, never confirmed, but. But the, the, um, 
the victim did kind of say that the murderer was smothering him and kind of like, yeah, overly, you know, what would you call that? Possessive, possessive, asking him where he is all the time and stuff like that. So he's like, I can't do this. And he talked about getting a divorce. Yeah. But in terms of the theme, again, she doesn't ever put anything in that doesn't go with the book. So, you know, it has to do with the murderer, you know, wanting this guy and not, and he's clearly going to lose him. And so kills him instead, which is dumb, but it's just dumb. Stupid Um, people do it every day. Yes. Mm -hmm. So the, the next part is Eve trying everything she can possibly think of to stall having to go home and get ready for this party. (laughs) You know, just typical Eve. Yeah. I I just think it's funny. You're stalling. I am too. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Oh, it's so funny. It it talks about her like going out into the bullpen and like, you know, poking into other people's like, you can just, so what are yeah. you working on? So what are you working on? Do you need my help on anything? Like you, you could, you could just see her do that, yeah. you know? Um, and they're all like Dallas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't actually, party. we actually don't really see them do that, but we know, we know they know. Yeah. Yeah. So especially Peabody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so fucking funny. <laughs> And Peabody asking her like what she's gonna wear. What she's gonna wear? Eve's oh like, God, I don't yeah. fucking know. Like Peabody's <laughs> no. like, she has she's an, like, I don't even know what the clue. fuck that means. Right. She never has a clue. She goes home Peabody, and Rourke you know, says, "This you is know what you're gonna know, wear." Right? Yeah. Like, why do you even ask her those questions? <laughs> call Rourke. Call Rourke, Peabody. You know. Yeah. She's like, call Rourke. Is- what his wife is gonna wear because exactly. she doesn't know. And you like, should know I, now. She should know by now to call Rourke. I now need the scene. I now need the scene where Nora writes where <laughs> Eve is, comes home before an event and Rourke is on the link with someone and, and they're talking about Eve's like dress and she's like, Who the fuck are you talking to? He's like, Oh, it's Peabody. Like <laughs> she's figuring out what she needs to wear tonight. Yeah. <laughs> like I guess like like talk to Mavis. Mavis probably knows more than Eve does. Right? Yeah. Well, and, and Mavis is helping you get ready. So, well, sometimes, sometimes, so, I mean, for this event, I think that she, made, you know, he made her something new. But like, sometimes right. she will wear something that's already in her closet, still made by Leonardo. Right. But still, like Peabody, yeah. just just Let, I, go yeah. to someone who's not Eve. The scene, yeah. the scene would be Peabody <laughs> asking Eve like what she's wearing, and Eve's like, I don't fucking know. And then Peabody right away getting on the link and saying, Rourke, can you tell me what Eve's wearing so that I can, yeah, you know. so that I can. Yeah. Because he, knows. I mean, here's the thing: she pro- she probably did because she does wear something that contrasts Eve that night. So yeah, right. She she must have she yeah. must have gone to the source. <laughs> so and the other funny thing is is Eve being annoyed by you know Trina leaving her all these instructions. She has to do all of this stuff, and then Rourke comes right. in, and all he has to do is shower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I have to shave. Oh, yeah. And you don't have to shave. Like, okay. And I thought, yeah, that's not. Like, you don't want to make you, that Rourke. comparison, Rourke, because you only have to shave a portion of your face, whereas you're asking right. her to probably to shave her entire body. Right. Yeah. So, or at least her legs. Yeah. So shut up. So don't Fire. give me that. Well, I had to shave. Well, yeah, so the fuck did she? Yeah, so fuck. Yeah, just, 
So that's shut up, Mark. That's not a thing that you have up on her or anything mm-hmm. like that. So so funny. It's not enough. No, <laughs> it's not enough. I'm with Eve on that one. Like, it's not enough. Women have to do so much more than yeah, men. hundred percent, though. Yeah, it it it's not really right. sucks. It's bullshit, honestly. So, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> so they get to this party, and there's a lot of fun moments when they first get to this party. Them, you know, meeting Marlo and other people in the cast. Marlo asking her like about the case, and he's she's you know, caught the killer within hours. It's, it's not hard when the killer's a moron. So (laughs) I feel like most of her people are always like, we don't see any of Eve's, you know, other cases. And like, we only see the serial killers. We don't see when people kill one person. Yeah. Cause mostly those people are morons and she catches them quickly. Like that's, you know, right. That's why we don't see it. Cause it's boring. You can, you can't make a book out of that. <laughs> you can't make a book out of that case. No. It's like not even a chapter. Right. I also feel like we've definitely had um a similar murder in the past as another like throwaway murder. Not oh, throwaway, but you know what I mean? Like we've had yeah. which is fine. I can't think of yeah. right off the top of my head, but yeah, you're right. That's fair. And I love the part where Mira and uh Mr. Mira come in <laughs> and Eve sees him and says god he was cute eve thought in his spiffy suit and mismatched socks she felt more relaxed just looking at him and then later on says to mira his socks don't match and mira's all annoyed it's cute it's adorable <laughs> kind of love when when mira is like annoyed at something because <laughs> it's like it's she's so charming about it she's like damn it yeah of course this is my life it's just great yeah and then there's the part where you know so eve and marlo are talking and then rourke comes up and says ladies and marlo is right away like oh my god <laughs> and he's like it's just rourke it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just, it's rourke. just rourke. It's what? i don't understand says the woman who also is like she'll look at him and be like wow i yeah, still can't exactly. get over him like yeah. God damn it, Eve. Come on. <laughs> it's like, it's like when it was like early on in their, her relationship with Louise, Louise is like, are you kidding me? Really? You say shit like this? Yeah. And you have Rourke. So, and then Peabody comes up to them and right away Rourke says, cause Rourke loves to flirt with Peabody's Peabody, you look delicious. And when he says that Marlo's like, <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> so marlo's impressed and then um what's his name matthew zank comes up and he's playing mcnab but you know he is he's in a nice suit and he's like hey (laughs) mcnab look this is how you would look if you dress like a human you dress like a human (laughs) (laughs) and then mavis comes up and she's got a camera and she's taking pictures and she says, I'm making an ASS of myself, but I want pictures. And Eve's all, the kid's not here. You don't have to spell yeah, ass. You don't have to spell things. <laughs> and then she like, uh, you know, she's a habit. Ass, ass, shit, but God, that felt good. Go Mavis. <laughs> I mean, I, I respect that. Somebody that doesn't, yeah, I, for sure. uh, that doesn't cuss in front of their child. I respect that no. a lot more than people taking videos of their kids saying cuss words because they think it's funny. 
Right. Don't cuss in front of your kid. They'll right. learn cuss words that's, eventually. If you your kids cuss, them, that's that's your fault. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. But okay. You do you. People that cuss in front of their kids. I do think it's funny when a kid's trying to say something and it and it's obviously oh, trying to say yeah. something else and they're like and well, that's it ends funny. up being like yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think that's, that's funny. So funny when it ends up being like fuck when they're trying to say fork or you yeah. know something like that. I think that's funny. Yeah. my sister and I did that to my brother. You know, he's so much younger than us, and um, he was really bad at tease, which is funny because his name is Tyler. Um, and um, we'd be like, we'd give a little, we'd pull a little like toy fire truck and be like, Tyler, what's this? And he'd be like, fire fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and we were like we thought it was funny as hell because we're obnoxious <laughs> asshole older sibling yeah right. my mom my mom would be like don't do that <laughs> that's so yeah. cute but like my mom my mom swore around us when we were growing up but also she like put the fear of god in us i remember the first time i accidentally swore in front of my mom she was like shocked she yeah was like right. wait what did you say yeah well, my dad still yells at me when i swear in front of him like Young ladies don't swear, <laughs> Jennifer. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> do you realize I'm not so young anymore, Dad? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and I, I think I told you guys the story of me with Caitlin. She was like 10 or 11 years old, and we were like singing the name game, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and just randomly, because I, I thought it would be funny, I told her, let's do Chuck. And <laughs> she oh, got... No. <laughs> 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 Chuck, Chuck, Bo, Buck, Banana, Fana, Fo, and then she was she, her eyes got really big, and she looked over at me, and I just started laughing. <laughs> Oops! <laughs> uh, anywho, so then, um, who is it? The um, Joel Steinberger, who's an ass. Oh yeah, he's terrible. From the very beginning, g- comes over and he's all telling Eve, you know, Detective Peabody is do- going to do a cameo for us. We'll get you in there too. And he- and Eve's like, no. <laughs> and he's like, nope. It'll be fun. We'll see you get the full glamour treatment. Oh, Who God. doesn't want to be a vid star terrible. for the day? And she's like, me. Me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you don't. <laughs> You know, and then he, and then at some point he calls her honey. Now, now, honey, no need to be shy. And you know, you <laughs> no. know that Rourke probably like held her back. She like, oh, yeah, w- wanted to step up to him. And Rourke probably, oh, that's, why, that's when he pulls him away, isn't it? He's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Rourke's like, let's, let's go we'll talk. find somewhere to talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's kind of a dick, but they're all kind of dicks. And I think what is, isn't that what, uh, Joel said? Matthew. Yeah. Matthew. Or or Joel says that. Who says that? No, Matthew. He says they're a bunch of they're at Hollywood. We're a bunch of assholes. Or Julian. No, it was Matthew. Okay. <laughs> Is it Matthew? Yes. Yeah. I thought it was about I thought it Julian. Was Marlo, yeah, because so Julian's like there. kissing everyone. Yeah, Julian's kissing everyone. Yeah. And yeah. Matthew says Hollywood. We're a bunch of assholes. Which is probably true. You know, my apologies to anybody in Hollywood who's listening to this. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I'm sure we have. Yeah. <laughs> if anybody is in Hollywood listening to this, call, call, us. call us. Call the number. <laughs> call us celebrities. <laughs> call us celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> We're still waiting for John Stamos and who else? 
Yeah, Rick Springfield. If you just anyone, anyone anybody, famous really. wants to call us. So then they're at dinner, and um, so I did want to talk about like it's a, it's it didn't they didn't really say as far as um, Julian is concerned whether he's like what nationality right but i felt it was i thought it was interesting and when you listen to the audiobook susan has him have an irish accent the entire time the and entire time because it sounds it sounded like he was american to me because there's a few times that right so that's yeah, why i was Marvel like talks about him working on the accent and and that sort right. of thing yeah so but i was wondering if she did that because she thought well maybe he's this some kind of guy that's like a method actor that like he gets immersed in the character and that's, that's you know, some people do that. Like I, I just yeah. want to do the accent the entire time. Right. Or maybe she made the, the choice because maybe we'll ask her. Yeah. Because it would be harder for her to go back and forth with his character. Just, just sure. find one voice for him. Yeah. I could not imagine how to figure that out, but it's a Rourke voice, but not a Rourke voice. I mean, she definitely makes Julian sound different from Rourke, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they're talking back and forth at the dinner, and Julian is saying a lot of complimentary things. And uh, one of them is that, uh, well, because they're talking about how, how the sex scenes are going to like burn up the screens or whatever, and Eve is like right. mortified. Okay. Right. And then Rourke says KT is oh oh well Rourke says like steady lieutenant and that's when um Julian starts talking about see how he says that? You know, like he's really studying Rourke, like he's he's you know, he says it because he respects your rank and says to Rourke, You respect her rank and Rourke's like, sure, you know, I mean yeah also he loves her. Yeah, that's when he says, you know, no, you're right. You're right. But it's up there and you like each other and the trust and the two of you, the two of you going down into that secret lab, risking your lives. And that's when KT says, oh, for Christ's sake, okay. give the ass kissing a rest, Julian. <laughs> and she's telling like, you know, you're acting like, you know, you, you and Marlo are the only ones in this goddamn vid and the two people you're trying so hard to mimic are the only ones who count. It's insulting. Why don't you give it a fucking rest and set up your threesome with Marlo and Dallas on your own time. Some of us are trying to eat. She's such a bitch, right? Such a bitch. And it says in the, in the beat of horrified silence, Eve studied KT down the length of the table. Peabody. Yes, sir. Peabody says shoulders hunched. (laughs) You know how I occasionally mention the possibility of kicking your ass. I term that as regularly, but yes, sir, I do. You may get the chance to watch me kick your fake ass while you sit comfortably on your own. That's an opportunity that doesn't come around every day. (laughs) And KT says, you don't worry me. And Eve says, I ought to. Anybody who shows their ass that big in public is just asking to have it kicked. But maybe it's better to just leave it hanging out there all pink and shiny while the grown-ups talk. (laughs) Go Eve. So, yeah. It's so great. So yeah, then after dinner, they go to this uh, this uh, media room that uh, Roundtree has in his house. Eve says, "Hell to Rourke, hell of a deal here," and he says, "Yes, it is." She watched the way Rourke studied the massive screen, the arrangement of thick cushioned leather chairs, cozy sofas, and lighting in the bar. 
I can see the wheels turning. And Rourke says, I've thought of doing one, but I hadn't decided on design, layout, or location. And she says, you just like the really big screen. It's a man and his dick thing. And Rourke <laughs> says, it may be, and I do enjoy indulging mine. And Eve says, tell me about it. <laughs> so we did talk about this a little on the briefing room about Rourke not having a media room yet because it, it, it comes up in our next book, uh, the newest book, Random. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a little discussion about that on our Facebook um, in the, in the chat about random, about whether yeah. or not he's built this, uh, media room yet, because in random, they mention it and it's obvious that he hasn't yet. Right. And, um, somebody's saying that, uh, well, Eve doesn't want one. Which no, that's not true. Yeah. I don't think that that's, I don't think it's clear in the, I don't, I just don't think she cares. No. And it's never really does. said in the books that she doesn't want it. No. Oh, I mean, when has she ever said to Rourke, I haven't gotten to this part of the book, but when has she ever said to Rourke, like, I don't want this thing that's in the house that you own. Like, yeah. she wouldn't, you know. Because she doesn't yeah. care. Doesn't care. She doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. But she does prefer when they watch movies in their bedroom, you know, right. struggled up on the couch. That's fair. But she's not going to tell Rourke that she doesn't want something in the house. Yeah, she doesn't and, care. And just because she prefers this doesn't mean she doesn't want this. Right. So, I, you know, her saying I yeah. prefer this is not her saying I don't, I don't want, want this. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that that's yeah. the case. But um, and then we did have a little discussion. I don't know. You guys will have to tell us if this is something that interests you about maybe doing an episode on Rourke's mansion and like going through what we know about the mansion and what rooms there are. Definitely. And so um, that might be a, a be good fun. idea for a future episode. Yeah. Um, so they're watching this. Um, he's essentially Roundtree set up a blooper reel for them, which is super fun. Love blo- blooper reels. Fun. Oh, for sure. You know. Yeah. And even Eve seemed to like it, which, you know, is high praise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and um, when it ends, Eve and Rourke start to leave and Marlo and Matthew come downstairs, downstairs and say that um, Katie Harris is dead, that they had gone up to the rooftop pool, <coughs> sorry, and found her dead. Um, Matthew is soaking wet. He saying he pulled her out of the pool and gave her CPR, but she was already gone. So Eve tells Connie, who is, uh, Roundtree's wife, right. Mm-hmm. To make sure yeah. that nobody leaves and that, and she has McNabb confiscate all links, which <laughs> later on Nadine is very pissed about. I'm sure they're all oh, very pissed very about pissed. losing their links. Yes. yes. Um, she and Rourke take the elevator to the rooftop terrace to confirm Harris's death. When Peabody joins Eve, Eve tells her to take a few minutes before assisting because of the resemblance to Harris, which, yeah, that has to be kind of really jarring if you're Peabody. Yeah. You know, I, I have no idea what, like, I don't know. I mean, no one knows it. I mean, I guess some people know or think they know how they would react to seeing a dead body that looks like them. Right. <laughs> I don't know. 
And um, this, you know, so Eve tells her this and um, Peabody's saying, no, no, I can handle it. And then Eve's stepping aside and Peabody's like, oh, okay, maybe I need a minute. <laughs> JK. <laughs> uh-huh. And Eve t- is telling her, you know, take what you need, go inside, you know, gives her some work to do, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so Eve says that Harris's TOD puts her as dying shortly after the gag reel started. But since right. Eve was sitting in front, she doesn't know who left during the show. Right. This also says McNabb joins them and freaks out a little bit. Oh, poor Which, McNabb. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I, poor McNabb. I mean, McNabb just, I mean, I feel like Eve just holds it together better than McNabb yeah. because she's Eve. So yeah, McNabb is freaking out and Eve is like reminding him the differences in the appearance of KT and Peabody right. because yeah. she's probably saying that, doing that to herself mm-hmm. internally to herself as well. As well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So she doesn't freak out. Right. So um, Eve goes downstairs, uh, tells everybody Harris is dead, but the Emmy will need to determine um, cause of death. She and Peabody need to interview everybody who's still there. Mavis and Leonardo had already left. Um, she asks Dr. Mira to sit in on the interview. So interview one is Matthew, who says he's been arrested for uh, drunk and disorderly before, but that was when he was 17. And like, thanks for that um, information, but we don't really need it. <laughs> thanks. Not really. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I get it. Like, he's being interviewed by the cops, and he's like, well, it's been a while, you know, and I've been arrested once before for something really stupid. Yeah. If you look at my record, you'll see that I've been arrested for a drunken disorderly. She's very, yes. he's just very upfront. Yeah. yeah. A good, a good, um, a good indication of his honesty, obviously. Yeah. Right. To start off, anyway. Right. Yeah. We still have to. We still have to have everything that happens over the next several chapters before we're like, nope, he did not do this. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, he's telling Eve that he and Marla went up on the roof for some air. Um, Her feet hurt, so she took off her shoes and they were going to sit on the edge of the pool. And that's when they saw Harris floating face down in the pool. Matthew jumped in to drag her out, then did CPR, but it was too late. So they ran down and got Eve. Matthew and Harris dated for a few weeks, but stopped after he got the part for McNabb, which Harris, you know, kind of ha- got the part for him, essentially. Yeah. They also uh, broke up because she started drinking too much and got really possessive, and he didn't like that. Didn't like right. that, which, you know, who could fucking blame him? Right. Just like <sighs> the couple that Eve, you know. Yeah. That murder earlier that Eve was. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Eve dismisses him, but says he'll, but he says he'll wait in the house for a few minutes before heading home. Mira's take is he feels guilty because even though he doesn't think he got the role from sleeping with her, he'll never know for sure now. Right. So the second interview is Marlo. She confirms all Matthew's details, says Harris hated her because she had an Oscar nomination and let Marlowe knows she thinks she slept her way to the role since she dated the screenwriter before the script was written and cast, even though they stayed friends after they dated. Harris also threatened to go to the media and say Marlowe was uh, blowing Roundtree, Matthew, and Julian. So, yeah, she's a real piece of work. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Trash. Right. Bitch. 
Harris said that Connie knew and Nadine would lead off now with that story. Marlo told her to go F herself because nobody else would. <laughs> so good for you, Marlo. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the last thing she said to her. Eve dismisses Marlo and Mira's take on Marlo. She didn't like KT and feels bad that the last thing she said to her was hateful. But she considers Harris beneath her, uh, which she was. Let's be honest. Yeah, fair. Um, Eve says Marlo is sleeping with Matthew, which Mira dismissed. <laughs> but Eve picked up on it right away. Yeah. So I don't know that we're going to get anybody saying that in the uh, re-review the reviews, but... Um, yeah, you might. <laughs> I feel like it was probably obvious to Eve. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, but they literally they they came down from the roof together. together. Yeah, like right, and and it's just a normal thing for people to just assume. And she dismissed Matthew, and he said, oh, "I'll just hang out a little bit. I'll just hang yeah. out." Yeah, and right. she's like, "That's what I think." That's what she tells Nadine because she tells Nadine, "Yeah, they're they're together," and Nadine's like, "What?" Yeah. You know, <laughs> interview three is with Connie, who told Harris that she'd watch her mouth and behavior in her home or she'd be removed. So good job, Connie. Since Harris refused to apologize, Connie added that she'd see to it that she never worked with her husband again or with anybody else she had influence with. Harris told her that Marla was giving Mason blowjobs between scenes, but she didn't believe that. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> yeah, like she just like, like says shit. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess said. <laughs> said. She just said shit. At the That's time she so was alive, she says shit. So much shit. Yeah. Connie says that she thinks Katie was jealous of Marlo because her, her looks, talent, charm, and popularity. She took a swipe at Eve because Marlo's playing her. She only noticed that Harris was no longer in the theater when the gag reel finished because she was keeping an eye on her, but not who else left or who was still there. So Eve dismisses her. Eve has Peabody take Roundtree, Dennis, and Valerie. Well, she and takes Andy, Joel, and Nadine. And then they will take Julian together after he's taken sober up because he, he was passed out on the couches. Yeah. Now, I will say that one thing on Review the Reviews that we will hear a lot is that there were a lot of characters to keep track of. And there I were. feel like that's yeah. fair. That's fair. That is fair. Because yeah. there is fair. a lot of characters here. Yeah. And there kind of has to be necessarily. There have to be a lot of characters. Right. Um, interview four is with Andy, who says Harris is a C word. And she disliked <laughs> her for the part because she found Peabody so appealing. So, yeah. And that had to have been hard. Like if you're somebody yeah. that loves Peabody and then yeah, you're behind the scenes and the person playing Peabody's an asshole. Yeah. It'd be kind of hard to take. Interview five is with Joel, who starts off by telling Eve all the things he needs before all the things he needs before she sets him straight about. Okay, I don't know what that's about. That well, he comes in and just kind of like starts demanding things, like, "Oh, we have to take her. We have to take her to our private medical examiner, and we have to." And I need my electronics back and I need this and we need this. And we need to massage. This oh, yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, For some reason, like, I was thinking in my head, I was thinking Julian. I was like, why would Julian no, be demanding no, 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 things? Yeah. Joel. Yeah. So, yes, yeah. yes, he and would be demanding just things. Like, uh, no, what, what I need comes first. So just shut the fuck up. Right. Well, good yeah. for you, Eve. Yeah. Eve tells Mira that Mr. Mira's socks don't match. Yes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> 
And Mira says, people who expect perfection in a mate miss a lot of fun and sweetness. She's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Mira then leaves to begin detoxifying Julian. Uh, Rourke comes in bringing <laughs> a giant mug of coffee and tells, and Eve tells him he's not perfect. And before he can get offended, she tells him that's what makes him just exactly right. So, aw. Aw. <laughs> so cute. Love it. Love it. Interview six is with Nadine, who's pissed off that her link and PPC were taken from her. She's worried about being scooped on the story, and she and Eve butt heads. Yeah. Which, uh, chill the fuck out, Nadine. I mean, yeah, like, it's come down. I love, I love Nadine, yeah. and I'm like, I feel like Nadine approaches every single one of these, like, how far can I push? How far right. can I push? Right? How far? And, like, it's like, just stop, maybe? Like, yeah. Like, Listen, I, and I love when she pushes out. Eve. It's always entertaining, but like this one, it's like, yeah, I don't know. She's like, yeah, she's scooped. when she's, when she's pissed about Eve taking her, that's the part that makes me go, you know, better. Like, right. Yeah. But McNabb taking everyone's electronics and she's like, I, I, you, you know, like you do, you know how this works, Nadine, you know, how this works. Yeah. Come right. on. And she's, she has to resort to, you know, actually writing notes on napkins or something. She's like, I'm writing notes on napkins. You're fine. So but, you know, I feel like to be, it's just like being a detective. To be a reporter, you have to be overly aggressive in, in a sure. lot of cases. Yeah. Or you'd never get anywhere as a reporter, I don't think. Well, right. But I feel yeah. like she should know that she's going to get somewhere with Eve. And to eventually yeah that way. And, and so the way she just like sometimes she just just jumps in and pushes so hard and it's like calm the fuck down just you're gonna get what you want just relax right yeah. like we love you babe but come on yeah just relax and you know like you've said they're putting on a show for work and they're gonna end up <laughs> right with, yeah which works like up in his head you yeah. know <laughs> like uh I, I love I love that Eve like says that. It was like, <laughs> you're like, well, she's not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so Nadine confirms that she and Julian are not sleeping together. She didn't know Marlo and Matthew were, and everybody hated KT. So Yeah. Oh, she's also mad that she didn't pick up that Marlo and Matthew were yeah. sleeping together. Right. Which is did. so funny. She's probably like you figured this out. Oh, fuck. <laughs> How did she figure this out? And I didn't. Cause she's right. Eight. Right. Right. Just calm down. You'll be fine. Right. <laughs> Peabody comes in. Nadine leaves taking the cookies with her. <laughs> Peabody tells Eve they found blood and the charred remains of a cloth in the fireplace. The morgue team confirmed uh, contusion and laceration on the back of Harris's head. Eve gives Nadine most of this, requesting that she wait 30 minutes so Julian can get home before the media frenzy. Julian says he went up to the roof to talk to KT, but that she was mean and he doesn't like mean people or arguing. So he went back downstairs and passed out drunk. He's such and a goober. Julian he, like, is kind of a goober. Yeah. He's such a goober. He really is. <laughs> yeah. He's a sweet goober, but he's a goober. <laughs> he's kind of really the anti-Rourke, but not in a bad way. Yeah. Right. He's just not a fucking thing like Rourke. No. no. Yeah. He's not, he's, he's not he's really. Just, 
He's just he's, not smart. Yeah, he's kind of dumb. Yeah, he's, and he's, he is kind of dumb. You know, I don't like when people fight. I don't like when people don't like each other. It's like, okay. Yeah, no, people be happy, right? Okay, Julian, welcome to the world. You're adorable, but shut up. Right. right. Even Rourke have the limo drop Peabody and McNabb home after Rourke's house. Peabody says if it wasn't for the dead body and the two hours of interviews, um, it would have been a mag evening. <laughs> so otherwise it was great. Great <laughs> detective skills there. <laughs> Peabody. Right. Rourke says it'll generate a lot of good pu- publicity for the video. Mm-hmm. But he and Eve agree that it's a side benefit, not the reason for the murder. Rourke rubs her feet, then they have sex, and the night ends. <laughs> I'm sure there was more to that. Uh, well, you know, I, I think mean, we, yeah, they kind yeah. of talk through the case. But, yeah. We know. I feel like there the was thing. probably more than that. The next morning, it says Peabody, Peabody you're, you're seeing Peabody and McNabb at home. Yeah. And Peabody's doing her usual food argument with herself, bagel and a schmear or fruity yogurt. and So fucking relatable. Yeah. Right. And um, <laughs> meanwhile, McNabb pokes at his crispy, crunchy charms, which <laughs> sound delightful. Delightful. <laughs> Tells Peabody that he loves her and then asks if she wants to get married. She says that eventually, yes. And to him, then he admits that he was up all night freaked about seeing Harris looking like Peabody dead. Aww. It is so cute. It really is. That whole the scene is I really cute. The first time I read that scene, I was very emotional. I was like, yeah. they're so cute. Oh my God, McNabb. So cute. <laughs> and like, even, even the first part of it where, you know, you have like that moment where you're like in Peabody's head and she's just reflecting on like, where they are and like mm-hmm. how much she loves being with him and all of that. And then, yeah. you're like, Oh, it's just so fucking cute. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, to me, like I found that to be one of the most romantic moments of the entire series. I mean, yeah, it because, really is. because it's, it's, I don't know. Like it's just very like, it's kind of unexpected. Oh. Yeah. 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 Like obviously McNabb reacting poorly to what happened was not unexpected but just like the realness of the idea of being like oh my god am i wasting time like i just had this shock you know so yeah right yeah and And it just it's funny because peabody says to him you know we don't want to get married now that's for grown-ups that's for (laughs) (laughs) grown-ups and then she says we'll have a big crazy wedding a mag wedding get married and have kids it's, it's fun so to think about Eve at uh, Peabody and McNabb's wedding. Right, right. <laughs> or during it, or during the planning. Oh, God. <laughs> so if we ever get to see that, that'll if be fun. If we ever get to see that. In the meantime, we can just speculate about how amusing it will be. Yeah. Yeah. So then it talks about Eve being at the morgue. She got there before Peabody and um, coming into the room and Morris saying to her, like, I'd hope Peabody would be with you. And... Eve says she's on her way and he says, it's a, I'm not sure what to call it. Really. The resemblance is only surface. And yet, and Eve says, I know. So everybody's kind of having a moment. Like it does look like Peabody, but it doesn't, but you know. Yeah. And, um, which is fair. Yeah. Yeah. Eve says something about, Oh, he says something about, do you want coffee? And Eve says, not that coffee. (laughs) yeah not that coffee and um he says i don't know if it's a good thing or a bad that i've gotten used to it and he says i could hook you up with some real 
And he says, if I had real coffee here, there'd be a stampede. Even the dead might rise like zombies. I'll stick with foul, avoid the horror. <laughs> um, and Eve says, I don't think real coffee is going to make Harris rise up and bite your throat. And Morris says, brains, zombies eat brains. Yeah. <laughs> Get it right, Eve. Zombies eat brains. And Eve's like, okay, that's just sick. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is like, uh-huh. Yeah. So great. Good laugh. Yeah. So he does tell her that um, the um, cause of death is drowning. Yeah. Because she had water in her lungs. So she was alive when she went in. So they talk about that stuff. And then Peabody comes in and says, stops and looks at the body and says, wow, still really weird. I think her legs are longer than mine. Why can't my legs be longer? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Peabody. And it says, Morris stepped around the slab, walked up to her. He took her shoulders, kissed her on the mouth. (laughs) And Peabody goes, wow, um, thanks. That was nice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thanks for that. (laughs) And he says, it's very good to see you. And she's like, so far, this is the best morning I've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) This is pretty great. I'll take it. Yeah. Because when they leave, she tells Eve, like, McNabb asked me to marry him. And... He's like, what the fuck? Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> what? <laughs> Eve's reaction is great. Yeah. Well, Eve starts off pissed off because she knows that she's late because they had sex. Oh, yeah. She's right, like, right. Yeah, she's like, uh, um, well, yeah. there's a reason. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and then um, Peabody tells her, like, you know, we're going to get married one day, not now. We don't want to get married now. And Eve's like, I'm confused. <laughs> I don't understand yeah. what you're saying. And this next line is one that I marked as part of, you know, why I decided wants was the theme. Cause it says, I think he needed me to know it's what he wants one day with me and, oh, yeah. and needed to know it's what I want one day with him. And it is. Oh yeah. That's so cute. So yeah. Then they decide they're going to stop by um, Mavis and Leonardo's and talk to them and see what they, they. Cause all this shit went down after they left. Right. Right. When they came over, um, we have a Bella moment where Bella has just learned to walk. Yeah. That morning. Mavis reports that on the set, Harris was always looking to screw with Marlowe, gave Matthew grief every chance she had, treated Preston badly, got on Roundtree's back, but he rolled with it. And she mostly ignored Andy since Andy was good with her mouth and fist. That that's <laughs> not that's not I wouldn't <laughs> say it that way. No. Right. I was like, um, maybe that's not how we want to word that. <laughs> yeah. Um, essentially, we already we were told at the party that Andy has a potty mouth. Yeah. Yeah, and Mavis says something like, "Because Andy has a mouth and she knows how to use it," or something like that. Like, so right. it has not. It had nothing to do with her fists. I don't remember that being said at all. Yeah, yeah Although, but I, I guess I guess maybe they're insinuating that she wouldn't have a problem. No, she wouldn't have a problem. We don't, but we don't necessarily like. That's not really relevant, right? Right. During the party, Mavis saw Harris corner Matthew before dinner, and he gave Harris the finger. Harris argued with Andy during dinner, but after Andy made an anatomically impossible suggestion, and she backed (laughs) off. (laughs) Harris and Julian were talking before the show, but she, but he just looked bored and annoyed. Since nobody mentioned any of those incidents, Eve decides 
that she needs to bring them into central for follow-up. So yeah, nobody said like, yeah, I was arguing with Harris before, beforehand. Right. Yeah. No one wants to admit that, that shit, but we're not surprised. Right. No, of course. That every single person. Investigation. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And also, yeah, everyone, because she's awful. Yeah. <laughs> This says, um, chapter seven starts a few minutes after Eve gets to work. Whitney stops by to let her know they need to control the media on this. And the part I thought was funny was Eve was just talking, thinking about she had hidden her candy in her chair. Her chair, her and guest that chair. he sits there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she yeah. felt weird knowing her commander's ass was one crappy cushion away from squatting on her candy. <laughs> so which is pretty funny <laughs> the visual of that is oh right yeah <laughs> oh, and then um later on it's not now it's like later on but i'm putting it here because it fits here um she talks to him again and says he got to his feet celebrity murders he muttered they'll probably make another goddamn vid at Eve's stunned, <laughs> slightly horrified expression, he smiled. It's like, no. <laughs> you could make book on it, he said. Keep me updated mm -hmm. and don't be late for the media conference. And it says, shit, Eve said when he'd gone out. Shit, he could be right. And then Peabody's like, who's playing <laughs> me in this one? I mean, it's really wild, isn't, isn't it? Somebody playing me, investigating the murder of somebody who was playing me. And then there's, and Eve says, don't, you're giving me a headache. <laughs> it's really i mean listen you gotta ask yeah it's you know yeah that would be really fascinating yeah you know <laughs> watch peabody watching a video of somebody playing her investigating the murder of somebody playing her that just you know <laughs> in, in, giving me a headache right, right? Like, that's <laughs> too much to think about right so even peabody meet with um tibble's media liaison Kyung Beaverton. Mm -hmm. uh, we finally get to meet Kyung. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I had forgotten that this was the book we made him. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, who is not a total a-hole. In fact, he's really good at his job and likes Eve's answers. Mm -hmm. He gets them ready for the afternoon media conference. The plan is to emphasize that through the, though the actors are portraying them, they are not actually them. The actors will go on to play other roles while even Peabody will go on to investigate more homicides. Oh, he's a genius. And because they're, an they're, they are anticipating like, you know, how does it feel to investigate this murder of people who are playing you and, are, and like, people are going to ask about that. Right. So Harris's parents divorced when she was 13 due to domestic, domestic, but yes. domestic, <laughs> I can't say it. Domestic, domestic? abuse. <laughs> uh when her, her brother father was a piece of shit yeah her father <laughs> was a piece of shit is essentially yeah. what this whole um paragraph here says yeah uniform carmichael brings andy julian and matthew in for further questioning she sent him because he prefers sports to vids so he didn't care and he brought them in through the secured garage to keep it quiet andrea reluctantly admits that harris threatened um to out her godson who had been in rehab with harris yeah Andy said she told she her that she would go to the press to tell them how Harris came by the information and to F off you ugly C word. <laughs> I mean, yeah, those were the last that. words she spoke to Harris. Yeah. And she doesn't feel bad about it. No, <laughs> no, I wouldn't, you know, no. Yeah. No, she's awful. Yeah. 
Matthew says Harris found out that he and Marla were a couple about two weeks prior, and it didn't go down well with her. He and Marla were living together in a loft and were trying to keep it quiet to see where it would go and to let the public still believe the movie couples were real couples. Which is such a stupid thing, but it's okay. So stupid. Yeah. I don't work in Hollywood, so. Right. It's kind of, yeah, it is. I guess it does seem like that's I mean, kind of a thing. It is kind of a thing, but yeah. also, like, what's the big deal? Yeah, I, I don't know. Do what you do. It's better for yeah. promotion or who knows. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Um, Harris stole Matthew's swipe card and code when she broke into his trailer, then hired a PI to plant a camera in her in their loft. Harris told them she had vids of them in bed and would put video on the net if he refused to dump Marlo and get back with her. She's a fucking lunatic. She really is a, a lunatic. Actual You're lunatic, correct. yeah. Yeah. Creepy. Creepy lunatic. Yeah. Obsessive. Um, yeah. Gross. She ordered him to meet her up on the roof that night of the party to give him a preview. He, shit. Yeah. He and Marlo planned to confront Harris together, making a recording, but Harris was already dead when they got there. <laughs> like this. It says Matthew does a figurative facepalm when he realizes Marlo still has the recording, which will confirm their story. Figurative baseball. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, like, I remember the first time reading that being like, wait, don't they have a fucking recording? Yeah. And then they're like, they're like, oh, we're yeah. so dumb. We're like, yes, yes, you are. <laughs> Idiots. Right. Peabody asked Marlo to come into Central while Matthew waits. And then it's right around this time that even Peabody are having a conversation and Peabody says, because they keep calling KT, like, pretend Peabody or fake Peabody. Yeah. And Peabody says, I don't like to think of her as pretend Peabody anymore. The more we <laughs> find out, the meaner and crazier she gets. It's like bad enough fake Peabody got murdered, but now fake Peabody is dead, blackmailing, is a dead blackmailing asshole on top of it. It's depressing. And um, Eve says, yeah, it's all really bad for you. <laughs> She's like, well, kind of is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she says this kind of is. How am I supposed to enjoy the vid now when I'll be thinking how behind the scenes I was trying to blackmail McNabb into bed and the whole time he's in love with you and that maybe there's a vid of the two of you naked and sexy and he's like, stop right there before I boot. <laughs> so funny. And then she says, hey, maybe there's a vid of fake Peabody and fake Rourke all naked and sexy. That would definitely make up for it. Maybe I can get a copy. And he's like, I will fucking kill you. <laughs> I mean, pretty yeah. much. But basically, that's what it is. <laughs> yep. Just, just their usual banter, which right. is nice. It's great because they have so much good banter in this book, which is nice oh, because yeah. we, of yeah. course, missed it a lot in the last book. Yep. Well, you know what I mean? The last real book because fuck yeah. chaos. Right, right, right. <laughs> because <laughs> fuck chaos. chaos. Said what I said. <laughs> because fuck chaos. I want that on my. I want that on my tombstone. <laughs> you know. You know what? That would be a great idea for a T-shirt. <laughs> Fuck chaos, because you know it has so Fuck many meanings. It does. Yeah, I mean, it for does. us, it has a specific meaning. But for <laughs> anybody else reading it on a T-shirt, fuck mm -hmm. chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
Chaos yeah, is chaos. wild. We're like, we know. <laughs> it's also it's also our least favorite. <laughs> yeah. So that but that would be that'd be a great idea for it. I should probably think about that. Make yeah. a fuck chaos. Oh fuck t-shirt. chaos. <laughs> um so Eve interviews a very hungover Julian who reluctantly admits that he and Harris fought the prior day on the set. She wanted him to tell Matthew that he and Marlo were hooking up behind his back. That was the first he learned that Marlo and Matthew were a couple. Peabody talks him into revealing that Harris, uh, what Harris had over him, which is that when he was 23 and just landed the lead in a movie, he was out celebrating at a sex club and unknowingly had sex with a couple of 16-year-olds who he thought were 21. Yeah. But one of their fathers came to his place yelling that he's going to kill Julian. One of Julian's friends is a lawyer and told the father how the girls were going to end up in juvie and the father would go up for assault. And Julian paid them a lot of money to make it go away. Julian, which, not, not a good look, my guy. No. I mean... Uh, you, uh, I, yeah, it's a garbage, it's a horrible situation, but I kind of felt yeah. for him in this, in this oh, kind absolutely. of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel for him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, I mean, not that I do this or did this, but you know, you don't ask for ID when you hook up with somebody at a club, like you, you consider they're 21 or, you know, right. No, they're in a fucking club. Yeah. In a club. Right. You don't say, Oh, can I check your ID? Like, I mean. <laughs> Man, that's stupid. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. And even now, there are so many teenagers that look like they're in their 20s. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And like, uh, fake IDs are a thing. So even if thing. you did yeah. ask for an ID, it could be faked. Yeah. People, people's well, ages are... That they had IDs and that's why they were in the club. Yeah. Why would... Yeah. 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 So why, why, would, would, you would, he, why would he question that? So, yeah. And we're not defending, like... The idea of sex with minors. That's right. not at no. all. No, 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 not no. at all. Just saying it's, it's understandable like, in this same, case. It's understandable in this case. Yeah. What happened that that happened. Yeah. They were believable oh, enough that their IDs were believed yeah. by the club, which is opposite of Caitlin, who had her IDs rejected at clubs, even though she was <laughs> in fact, they were not fake. She was, in <laughs> fact, old enough. <laughs> That's so funny. Poor Caitlin. And bartenders go, um, no. 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 She's like, this is literally me. Sorry for not you. giving you alcohol. That's funny. <laughs> Poor girl. Caitlin was almost 30 at that point. So. <laughs> love it. Oh, Caitlin. We love her. but We do. We do. Harris found out Julian contacted his lawyer friend who told him to stall. Harris confronted him at the party and he drank a lot and told her to leave him alone. Uh, Mar- Marla was already at central waiting for Matthew to finish up. So Eve sums up what she knows and asks where the recording she made is another face palm follows <laughs> <laughs> and the two and two officers escort her back to the loft to retrieve the recording. So then this is when the media conference happens uh, begins with Eve saying she'll take questions pertaining to the investigation as long as said questions aren't shouted at us by a room full of reporters behaving like bratty children on a school field trip. <laughs> <laughs> um, it went smoothly with Peabody making a comment about standing for KT Harris, ending with those of you who, who 
only looking for gossip or wasting our time, time we need to spend doing our job. So good job, Peabody. Yeah. <laughs> Eve and Peabody watch the recording Marla made, which confirms their story. Eve sends the recording to EDD to verify it hadn't been tampered with, but she and Peabody believe Marlo and Matthew. They go to Harris's hotel, find nothing personal out in the open, and a tell on the safe. Harris is so paranoid that she put a single hair loosely taped to the lower corner so she could figure out. She is a fucking paranoid as hell. Yeah. Yeah. She's a freak. Peabody finds a picture of Matthew buried in her underwear drawer. And when she takes it out of the frame, she finds a safe deposit box key. The safe has cash, jewelry, a notebook, illegals, and an envelope with photos from the PI, along with a small lockbox. Uh, inside the lockbox is another notebook, a business card from A.A. Asner, private investigations and security, and a sealed recording. The notebook has snarky comments and nicknames um, for Eve and Peabody, skinny bitch and please body. And Peabody yeah. is not happy with that. Nickname. Not pleased at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> she is absolutely not happy with that name. Along with a notation about paying the PI, a hundred grand over two payments and a code that turns out to be the lock code and box number at a bank under Peabody's name, which that's sucks success yeah anyway so yes um she's got these nicknames for even peabody and peabody is all like i can't believe i was juiced when they cast her to play me please body <laughs> she didn't have any respect for me at all i wish i'd known what a crappy human being she was before she got dead i'd have shown her a please body <laughs> <laughs> i love it so much <laughs> Um, he's like, how how long are you going to stew over this? You know, <laughs> she's like, as long as I fucking want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And at a certain point, he, uh, she says, "Easy for you, skinny bitch." And he says, "Hey, that's Lieutenant Skinny Bitch to you, Detective. Right. Please, body. Please, body." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, oh, their banter is so good, it's so good in this book. Makes I mean, me it really so is. Happy. So the receptionist at Asner's office hadn't seen or heard from As Asner, and he wasn't answering his link. She'd heard of Harris, but didn't have a client by that name, but did have one named Delia Peabody, who was a biatch, and ordered her <laughs> He's like, around. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, Barbie told them the contract was for domestic surveillance but ms i'm too good to peabody just came <laughs> in the one time and then that's another name that peabody is not happy with not happy like, with <laughs> and you know what? i think barbie is adorable i don't freaking yeah. care i think she's adorable and just she's so helpful and yeah i mean yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and of course you know Susan Erickson does a fantastic job with her too. Oh, I'm sure. Those kinds of characters are great. I mean, she does oh, yeah. always does a great job with those kind of characters. Um, at the bank, they found another recording, more cash, and two receipts from Asner for fifty thousand dollars each. At EDD, McNabb found a charge at I Spy in <sighs> Times Square. Uh, she bought 
two high-end micro mini spy cams a couple of weeks ago. God obsessed much. Right? She also put a hefty deposit down on a villa at the Olympus Resort for two weeks beginning December 23, as well as a private shuttle under her name and Matthew's. So that was a little like, don't plan a creepy. Yeah. Literally so fucking creepy. I know I'm Mm going to convince this guy. I'm just going to blackmail him to go on vacation with me. Like that's, yeah, that's going to be a real fun vacation for you. Yeah. Right. I don't think she cares. She doesn't care. No, she doesn't. She doesn't doesn't care. care. Because she's a horrible human being. Yeah, she's literally unstable. The next thing she does is go to Feeney's office so that he can look at the video. (laughs) Oh, and then they have their awkward watching this video together. Which, yeah. That would be so So awkward. awkward. (laughs) So awkward. No, oops, I didn't think this through. Yeah. Um, so, and this is another thing that we're going to hear a lot of complaining about in the review, the reviews, and I don't blame people um, because um, Eve came in and she, and she shut the door. Yeah. And we know that means, you know, trouble or, right. but Feeney goes, you got donuts. I don't smell donuts. <laughs> and she says, because I don't have any donuts. Then why'd you shut the door? I need you to analyze something. And he says, I did your now, but. Anal is spelled A-N-A-L. And when you're reading oh, it, cool. people love to bitch about that. Yeah. Which is fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So she tells him, no, I need you to like watch this video with me so we can tell whether or not this is also this is doctored or anything like that. And it says that recording comes on and it's Feeney says, that's the actress, right? I heard you. I heard she looked just like you. I don't see it. And you said it's closer when she's made up for it. But it's like, it's, it's funny because like everybody else, like, oh my God, she looks exactly like you. You look exactly like even mm-hmm. Feeney's like, man, I don't see it. I yeah. see it. So. Yeah. I mean, that's how it always works though. People are like, yeah, I don't see that. I don't see that. Yeah. Many people do. They're hearing them talk They're So they're, they're listening to um, Matthew and Marlo, you know, talk this and that, you know. Uh, Matthew that says something about she uh, she screamed at Preston today. I could hear her all the way in wardrobe. She threatened to have him fired because she didn't like the angles he used uh, in the bullpen B-roll he directed. And uh, she says, oh, oh, for Christ's sake. And she made Lindy from Craft Services cry something about the pasta. I swear she gets meaner and crazier every day. How does she have that kind of influence anyway? Right. Like, we're going to get you fired. Come on. Yeah. Right. When they all know what she's like. So you must know that no one fucking likes you. Yeah. Nobody's going to take your complaints seriously. So shut the fuck up. So, so anyway, um, and then it says um, that, you know, then they start having sex and it says Eve's, we're in Eve's head and says, what had she been thinking bringing the Safini? Viewing it with him. Maybe it was stupid, but she knew damn well he was mortified and miserable as she was. If, they, yeah. if they'd been watching bloody murder, axes hacking, blood spurting, blasters burning into flesh, neither of them would have blinked. But a naked woman, a half-naked man, okay, shit, altogether naked now, enjoying some playful sex, torture. I mean... And then, um, 
Feeney's like, Feeney's like, okay, it says the, the sound of Feeney's throat clearing was explosive. And run, he ordered. That's enough for an owl. No edits or compromises on either. <laughs> it's all, that's it. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't look at her as he spoke, which made her profoundly grateful. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just such a great scene between them. Yeah. Oh, one of my favorites. <laughs> um, Eve, uh, so then when Eve gets back to her office, he she tags Rourke to meet her at Harris's trailer, which is between actor Nadine and actor Feeney. The only things of note she finds are vodka bottles and drugs. The two cameras are in Matthew's trailer. So that's creepy. She put cameras in his trailer. So. She's too fucking much. Yeah, it's gross. <laughs> Um, yep. over pizza and a beer along the river, Rourke tells Eve he doesn't want a boat. He spent enough time on the sea and relates a story from his smuggling days where a severe storm raged through the night and they lost five men. That was kind of out of nowhere. Like, right? Yeah. I was like, okay. I mean, and I feel kind of bad because it's, it's a pretty emotional story. And I was like, I don't, yeah. I don't want this right here. And it sounds so bad, but I just like, that's not what I wanted at that point. Um, which just means I'm a horrible person, I guess. I mean, you know, they got the thing with the boat a little bit later and they talk about how they're all sailors, but I don't know. It didn't bother me where it was. I mean, I wasn't like, oh my God, I hate this. But I was just like, okay. It was fine. Yeah, it was out of nowhere. I mean, I just, I feel like I had less sympathy for Rourke than I was supposed to because I just was not in that headspace to go with him on that journey, I guess. Okay. And and then later on, I was like, I feel kind of like a horrible person because I was like, (laughs) oh, that was too bad. Like, instead of being like, wow, what a horrible trauma that Rourke went through. That I just like, (laughs) was not even like, I just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I just was not in the headspace. It's different. Like, remember the time, um, I forget which book it is, when Eve learns that like Morris's brother drowned. That's in Promises. That's in Promises, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't know. I mean, obviously, like, it was just so close to, like, everything else going on. But I I don't know. For whatever reason, I... Yeah, that's a, but that's a much more emotional book than this yeah, one. Yeah, and I think, so maybe, I think that I just was like, that's that's sad. And later I was like, that was a trauma that works up for Tara. Why are you an asshole? Like, I, just, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just a bad person, I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, and I was trying to like look at this and I guess it's, it, I don't know. So if we're going with my theory of this book is about wants. This is this whole thing started because Eve asked him, why don't you have one of those fancy boats like everybody, every other billionaire has? She asked why. And that's why he related that story. Yeah. Um, It also I guess you could also think about it in terms of that's also something that have happened in his life that told him that's not what he wanted. So I think he talks about like that convinced him not to do that anymore or. So it's, he says, uh, you know, so he lost one of his, one of the people that was with him, little Jim from Liverpool. And she's like, how old were you? And he says, 18, maybe younger. We lost five men that night. You wouldn't have called them good men, I suppose, but it was a hard death for them just the same. 
And still, we got the, the cargo, so he shrugged a bit into his pizza. I have no yearning to travel about on a boat, but I can pilot one well enough if you get a sudden yen. So, like, yeah, yeah I'm good. basically, it's just like, it's just, this happened, so that's no longer what I want. So, yeah. I don't know. That's just me just, speculating, because I'm trying to tie my theme in. Um, no, I mean, I think that it's still, it's still relevant. It just, like, threw me off. I was like, okay. Because, you know, again, as we've said so many times, she doesn't put things in there that don't go. Yeah, absolutely. So, the next thing is, um, they're at home, and Rourke gives her her m- new magic coat. With the body armor lining. Um, yeah, so Rourke gives her the magic coat. This is this is the book where she gets that. Uh, yes, that's right, the magic coat. Um, and she's thrilled with it. Well, of course she's like not thrilled with it. Um, I thought it was funny though, because you know, um, of course she, she and like, Somerset have to have her their little like. Oh yes, and um. Because Eve says to him, Halloween's weeks off yet, but I see you've got your costume. It's good to be prepared. (laughs) And he says to her, I have a box of your clothes that came with (laughs) you into the household and haven't been used as rags as yet in the event you want to trick or treat as a sidewalk sleeper. And they're like satisfied with their exchange. (laughs) And yeah. And Rourke saying a predictable home is a comfort to a man. So, yeah. So he has a, 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 present for her and she's like it's not christmas yet you should put it away until christmas and he says it's barely october and you'll want this before christmas and he right why he says it's not from cleveland so sorry yeah Tara. i was i, I was enjoying <laughs> the cleveland stuff yeah it's okay it's um, okay there's cool stuff in cleveland but work's gonna have better stuff she tells him, I already have everything. You just keep buying stuff. And he says, you don't have this, which you'd see for yourself if you'd open the bloody thing. So <laughs> it's too big for jewelry, so I probably won't lose it. It's it's clothes because everything I used to have is rag fodder. It, it's something nice. She gave <laughs> the ribbon a tug. So I'll probably destroy it at work. Then Somerset will give me the hairy eyeball, which is just one of the reasons I wish you wouldn't. And then, then she says, oh, there was a flavor to the sound she made a woman might make eating soft, creamy chocolate. Nice. Again, she had a weakness for leather and rich colors, which he knew yep. very well. She pulled the jacket out of the box. She saw the deep burnished bronze suited her just as well as he'd hoped. She says, it's great. She pushed her face against it, inhaling the scent. Really great. I love the coat you got me last year. Even as she spoke. She rubbed her cheek against the leather. I really don't need. And he says, consider this a transition. And um, she saw the label. Leonardo did it. So it's going to fit. Ha ha. Like it was made for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, you know, when she puts it on, she's like pretending that she's got her weapon. And she like slid a hand inside, drew her weapon smoothly and smoothly replaced it. Because that's important. You have to well, yeah. make sure that. Yeah. And of course, what it, what is also important is he says to her, there's a knife sheath worked into the lining. Right side is you prefer to cross draw and use your right hand for your main weapon. And she's like, no shit. Pretty damn handy. <laughs> yeah. And then mimed by crossing her arms and drawing both gun and imaginary knife simultaneously. 
because it's Eve. <laughs> because it's Eve. And this is when he tells her that it's got um, the the lining, the um, the magic line, thin shield lining yeah. that he's been working on. So she's really pleased about that. He tells her that it'll, it'll block a stun, and she's like, "Really?" And he said, "Trust me, it's been thoroughly tested." Leonardo was able to make the material and fashion it into the coat. It will block a stun on full, though you'll feel the impact. It'll protect from blaster, although the leather would suffer. And it will block a blade, though again, pity about the leather. And she's like, seriously? And she pulled her weapon and offered it. Try it. <laughs> and he's like, uh, no. No, I will not. <laughs> then she's like, oh, you don't have faith in your product. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm not firing a center at my wife in our bedroom. Yeah. And then she's like, well, we can go downstairs to the range. <laughs> she's so ridiculous. Like, no. <laughs> well she really is i mean I wouldn't you want to test I it mean, out sure honestly i would want to be the person to be like rourke promised and then you know not worry about getting stunned and then getting stunned and it doesn't work i mean fair i mean you have to know that it's going to work but still eve decides they need to have sex before she watches the marlo and matthew sex tape or else it will be weird fair, fair i guess that's that's fair um <laughs> I still don't know why she needs to watch the sex tape. Again, honestly. well, you know, I don't know. She'll see something. Who knows? Yeah, she's very because it was awkward with Feeny, but maybe not yeah. with Rourke. This is very thorough. Well, I think yeah. she just watches she it by herself. She doesn't even watch it with him. Um, okay, which yeah, good. So they go to bed, and Eve has a dream about dead and bleeding Stella and McQueen. She goes for a weapon, but it's not there, and then she wakes up afraid. She agrees to tell Rourke about the dreams if he stops altering his morning routine to stay in bed with her. Uh, Peabody and Eve meet at Asner's apartment. Peabody in her bright pink boots from Texas. <laughs> and Eve in her yeah. magic coat. Which Peabody, of course, you know, there's a whole scene of Peabody like, oh my God. She's like, I want to touch this. And yeah. she's like, don't touch it. No touchy. <laughs> <laughs> um... And then tells Peabody that she can stun her later so they can test it, which. Yeah. What a pal, Peabody. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, Eve, Eve, every now and again, like there's certain situations happen where Eve is like, yeah, you can stun me, Peabody. Peabody's like, is this a fucking trick question? <laughs> right. <laughs> is, this, is this a test? What do I do? <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> so. Yeah, and you know, of course, Peabody's like, "Oh my gosh!" First of all, she loves her pink cowboy boots. Yeah, I think they're going to be my signature footwear, which they are. Yeah, they are. Um, <laughs> and then she snuck in a stroke along the sleeve of Eve's coat. She said again, "Ooh, ultra squared. It's like butter." And Eve says, "If it was like butter, it'd be melting all over me." And Peabody's like, "It sort of does. <laughs> all gushy and soft, so completely uptown." Um. <laughs> isn't she like gushy the fuck is, what is, is that, that word about right no i think nate um, uses then, it later and that's when she's like what is that word yeah <laughs> yeah um and then of course peabody says uh the belt detail on the back it highlights your butt and he's like what <laughs> peabody's like no no are in you a good looking way. at my butt not a skanky way <laughs> <laughs> yes because eve is worried about being skanky right? <laughs> right. Um, and then this is, yeah, that's when Eve says it's lined with body armor. 
And, and Peabody says the jacket's like the car. And Eve's like, is this a riddle? <laughs> and she's no. like, no, it's a, it's an ordinary thing. Well, special, but a jacket, right? And the car, it's ordinary. Even It even looks it. But both of them have the special inside. Cop special, especially, you know. So he gets you. That's even better than he a does. just because present, which it is. Yeah. Yes. So Asner isn't home. And... His neighbor, Jim Buddy, said he missed game night, so he figure, figured Asner stayed in his office all night. At Asner's office, they see the light isn't on and the door isn't secured. The reception area is trashed with the computer missing. The inner office was this, in the same condition with the addition of a dead body. Like, oh, well, look what we found. Yeah. Yep. Asner was bashed in the back of his head multiple times with a replica of the Maltese Falcon and his wrist unit and wallet were missing along with all of his electronics. Since there was no sign of forced entry, Eve figures he knew his killer and had arranged to meet him. Barbie and her date, Bobby, an attorney who works in the office next to Asner arrives. Barbie goes next door and Bobby calls his assistant in to stay with her since their friends, so he can speak with Eve. Asner asked Bobby some hypothetical questions about something coming into his possession if he couldn't sell it to an interested party and it wasn't exactly stolen property. Bobby told him he should give the idea a little more thought than the previous day. Asner told him current events had changed and he was rethinking his position, thinking he should just pass the memento over to the interested party. That's very uh, cryptic. Yeah. Even Peabody visit the set where Roundtree is pissed that he has to pause the filming. I love him. You know, he's such (laughs) a a tight schedule. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Connie is on set to calm people down, and Eve interviews her first. Marlo and Matthew came to her with what Harris had done. So she knew there was a PI involved, just not the name. She and Roundtree don't have alibis for the time Asner was murdered, but Connie says it wouldn't have mattered uh, if the media had gotten the sex vid. They're two young, gorgeous, happy, talented people, and Valerie would have spun it. It's true. Um, mm-hmm. Too bad she's fucking black. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Roundtree is, was especially upset that Harris was killed in the lap pool, which he installed for Connie as a surprise and which she used every morning before the murder. Um, yeah, it'd be really hard to use that now. Yeah. yeah. Somebody died uh, in it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe no. <laughs> right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe um, I don't know. How, how, do you, how do you uninstall something like right? that? Right? Yeah. You can, yeah, you, you, yeah. You can <laughs> fill it in, but still, then you yeah. wouldn't have a lap pool, but then, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Valerie had a hollow conference until 10, 10 PM. Then a meeting with Joel from 10 30 to 1 AM. Sure you did. Um, right. <laughs> um, we and know. stayed in the guest quarters the rest of the night. Although she's plugged into everything that's happening on set. She claimed not to know about Marlo and Matthew. Liar, liar. Interesting. Yeah. Right. What a fucking liar, man. Eve interviews the super busy and super important Steinberger in his office. <laughs> and dis- super busy and super important. <laughs> Dismisses Valerie saying it isn't a business meeting, but a police investigation. 
He confirms Valerie's alibi, saying they discussed the memorials, uh, one for each coast. Eve asked him if the meeting with Valerie included talking about the Marlowe and Matthew situation. And he said, you mean Marlowe and Julian? And as the flashing lights over his held spent, over his head spelled liar, you <laughs> uh, snuck in a question about the car and then left. Uh, Peabody reported that neither Andy nor Julian had an alibi and Julian dropped his link, broke it and threw it into a recycler. That's just what you do. Yeah. So that's Julian. Is so Julian. Fucking you, really you have to know that that's going to be real suspicious. <laughs> I mean, um, Eve reported that Valerie and Steinberger are terrible actors. <laughs> so. Yep. Um, they go back to Asner's apartment, which was ransacked with no electronics left. Eve realizes the killer took Asner's car to remove all of the electronics and she puts out a bolo on it. Uh, Asner's car turns up. At the Battery Park Marina, so Eve and Peabody start a search for who has a boat or a friend with a boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eve is sure that it's more than a sex vid. It's about blackmail and power. Uh, so this is when uh, KT's brother comes in to talk about Eve, about KT and their childhood and yep. all of that. Just further proof that KT is a garbage human. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He's talking about getting something for his mother, I guess. And Eve recommends that he find Tico to buy scarves for his wife and mother. And souvenirs for his kid. Yeah. Uh, Mira's waiting in Eve's office and sums up Harris's behavior as lie, blame, lie to shift blame, and protect your status quo. Eve wonders what kind of environment Stella came from if she was just perpetuating the cycle of selfishness and violence. Um, like Harris was with her father. She tells Mira Rourke is worried about her and wants her to talk to Mira that she's been having dreams about Stella, that she knows she had a hand in both of her parents' deaths, one directly and one indirectly. Mira points out that although Eve calls her mother Stella, she still refers to Troy as her father. Mira tells her to think about that and to tell Rourke they talked. This is a point that I actually, when reading it, it, that didn't hit me, but yeah. Yeah. She calls Stella Stella and she calls Troy her father. Yeah. I'd never noticed that either. That's why Mira is um, a psychologist. Right. right? (laughs) World renowned. (laughs) Psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. I'm sorry. She has a PhD. (laughs) And an MD. She has a PhD and an MD. Because she's amazing psychologists don't have an md psychologists have a phd well yes 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 they do some of them do you can do you can be a psychologist i think with a master's but yes but it's yeah we have we have several we have several uh, because i work very closely with behavioral health and only a few of them have phds um so there were fingerprints at Asner's apartment from an LC Della McGrew. So E visits her. They were friends, although Della says she charged a discounted rate when they had sex. <laughs> I mean, okay. What a nice Whatever thing to do. For you, Della. You know. Yeah. 
Yeah, you it's guys a, have a, something going. It's a friends and family discount. <laughs> friends and family discount. Whatever works. It's fine. Oh my. Um uh, uh, he stopped by the previous day and got a big payoff from a client and wanted a good luck bang before he bought into a game. I mean, it's important. Yeah. Everybody has their own yeah. rituals before, <laughs> before a game. Got to get right? that good luck bang. <laughs> right. Get after um, Asner. Yeah. He said he didn't like the client and that she had a nasty streak, but her money was good. He said he had decided to play it straight and then he would be able to retire. Uh, somebody tagged him to set up a 10 PM meet at his office. Um, Eve returns to Roundtree and Burkett's home, uh, home theater to get a feel for who was sitting where and who, what they would have been able to see from their seats. She also goes back up to the roof and, and remembers that the dome had been partially opened when Harris's body was found. Uh, the house droid says Connie keeps the dome closed while she swims so she can keep it heated and keep it warm. the mechanism had been sticking. Ooh. So it doesn't close completely unless you turn it off and then on again. Dun, dun, dun. Breaking the case. Yeah. <laughs> On her way home, Eve thinks the killer opened the dome to let the smoke out because they've been smoking out, or KT had been smoking. Yeah. And then closed okay. it when he left, but didn't know it would only close part way. She heads to the gym where Rourke ha is already working out, and they test the new VR running obstacle course program. Eve picks rural and wins the first half by three points, but then loses the second half when she's attacked by a boar. You know, normal and stuff you know, like you do. Like you do. Normal like you do. shit. Yeah. I mean, it's better than a zombie, I guess, maybe. I guess, I yeah. Eve lays it all out for Rourke and thinks Steinberger is the killer. He and Valerie are the only ones who she's lied right. about not knowing about Matthew and Marlo. He went on the offensive during the first interview and it's all about power and control, and he has the most in this project. Rourke notices that Eve seems more relaxed. She tells him that she spoke with Mira. She asks him to look at Steinberger and Valerie for money, saying Valerie looked too damn smug that morning, like she just got laid and or a big bonus. Okay. Ding, ding, ding. She thinks both murders were on the spot rather than planned because the killer doesn't bring a weapon either time. And if it was Steinberger, then Valerie was covering for him and he'll have to kill her next. Rourke suggests maybe he's killed before. So Eve decides to dig. Rourke says he is sex and money and she is dead bodies. What a team they are. <laughs> As a, I mean, kind of amazing. You know, we all have our thing that we, yeah, yeah, yeah. We all have our specialties yeah. that we, you know. Eve does a deep search on deaths associated with him or Big Bang Productions, including unsolved murders, accidental deaths, and self terminations where he was detained or questioned. Yeah, and holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> she finds seven deaths where Steinberger could have helped the victim along beginning when he was in college. And Eve thinks there's probably more wild. Yeah. Meanwhile, Rourke found a $50,000 transfer from Steinberger to Valerie the previous night. 
And he figures Harris had Asner tracing the deaths and went to Steinberger for the list. So Eve looks at every single one of these murders and is uh, investigating those. Adding to our list. Adding to our list, yeah. Rourke finds an account under the name B.B. Joel with several withdrawals that coincided with the timing of all the deaths, including a $20,000 transfer into an account opened by Violet Holmes the day of Caulfield's death. Holmes had been an up-and-coming actress at the time, now lives in New York and owns a boat, moored at the marina where Asner's car was found. Well, (laughs) things are coming together. Eve wakes up Peabody and tells her to locate Violet Holmes and her boat and to book a conference room for 8 a.m. She sends the rest of the invitations by messages rather than waking everybody else up. So that's so nice of her. So nice of her. Because she's <laughs> normally she'd just wake everybody up. She doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah. That night, more dreams for Eve. Rourke keeps her in bed. They have sex and she's able to go back to sleep. <laughs> Good job, Rourke. Good job, Rourke. Um, when she wakes up again, Rourke has assumed his practice of waking early and watching the financial reports. This is when Rourke picks out clothes for her. She goes to, she starts to go to her, um, closet and he's like not today (laughs) she's like what i'm not wearing clothes today so (laughs) so but he wants her to dress in something you know specific yeah wants her to think about her wardrobe for once again we've said it you know it's she eventually gets to that point where she does think about her wardrobe yep he's still helping her out a little bit here at Central, Marlowe drops by to see if Eve's any closer to identifying the killer and that Joel is the smoking Gestapo. He can't stand any trace of smoke. So, again. Mm-hmm. Another that makes sense. Uh, Rio doesn't think there's enough evidence to get a warrant, so Eve settles for a trace on his links, which is the way she figures it would, which is the way she figured it would go. Yep. Mira thinks he won't face he won't wait years or months to kill Valerie, and she thinks he will have shown violence with previous wives and lovers, likely rough sex or rape role play. What a guy. Apparently, he's also a garbage human. Yeah. Uh, Eve asks Kayung to set up another media conference for that day after the traces are in place for Steinberger's links. She also wants to give Nadine off record info and have her interview him. Eve thinks he will throw dirt on someone else to make himself feel safe. Yep. Ding, ding, ding. And he uh, does. Eve calls, yeah. Eve calls Nadine, She's who's so setting up interviews with McQueen, the Jones twins and others associated with that case. Finally, I think Rio uh, gets the warrant for traces on Steinberger's links. Questioning Eve being able to get evidence for all the murders instead of just for the current two with Eve telling her she can focus on more than one murder at a time and which one would Rio like her to omit. So yeah, she's on a, she's on a rampage right now, Rio, please don't. And Rio's (laughs) like, what about KT? She's a garbage human. She didn't say that, but that's probably what she's thinking in her head. (laughs) Um, she's actually kind of horrible. So Violet meets Eve and Peabody at the Marina and confirms the $20,000 payment which she said was for a, cons- for a consultant to work with her for the first role. She and the consultant lied and said that Steinberger was with them 
the afternoon Caulfield was killed, he told them he was flying down to his Mexican village to prepare it for, for a surprise party for his newly pregnant wife. For his wife. What a piece of yep. shit. Yeah. So I kind of felt bad for this woman because yeah, yeah he, he, it, you know, she was young and impressionable and he used her. Yeah. He used her. Yeah. And that's garbage human. Yeah. He's behavior. trash. He's trash. There's so much, there's so much Couple, trash yeah. in this book. Yeah, there's a lot so of trash. much trash in this book. There really Get is. Get the trash out. Someone <laughs> take the trash out. Eve is gonna. She got this. Eve wants to see the the boat, basically, and and Violet tells them that she hadn't been out on the boat for a couple of weeks, but realizes that somebody had, because um, and that she person didn't know about. Thing. She got a new digi log that she put yeah, in. It's fancy. That tells her logs of exactly where the boat had been and when that had been taken out at six at one sixteen a.m. for just over an hour. Eve confirms that Steinberger had taken the boat out recently to entertain some investors and therefore had the codes. And poor Violet being used again. Yeah, yeah. This poor Got woman it. was used like by him so many years later. Like, ugh. Yeah, he's a garbage human. She seemed like a pretty cool person. Yeah. Nadine meets uh, Eve at the marina where Eve apprehends a would-be purse snatcher because it's Eve. Because and it's been, a, it's, it's been you know, like a minute since she's done that. So get right. that. <laughs> Eve. Uh, Eve, you're behind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eve tells her that she can tie Steinberger to nine murders, although... There are probably more, and she wants Nadine to interview him after the media conference, wearing a wire in case Steinberger thinks Nadine should take the fall for Harris's death and then conveniently off herself. In return, Eve will do an hour exclusive on Now about the murders. Oh, that seems like a pretty good deal, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Fair. It's like what, what she always asks for anyway. She's like, one-on-one, one-on-one. <laughs> So this is, so this is a, <laughs> this is really random. I forgot that this part was in here when I read it. I was, it was just funny because they're in the park, you know, they're in the, or at the marina or whatever. And uh, Peabody goes to get some um, popcorn. <laughs> and it says, absolutely. She tossed some to a squirrel. He was immediately joined by a swarm of his buddies. Jesus Peabody Eve drew her legs back in. He looked hungry. <laughs> now he's an army, and here comes the friggin' Air Force. Pigeon swoop. So Squirrel and Bird gave each other the beady eye as they jostled for a position. Get that out of here, he ordered, before they mount an attack. I think that one's got a weapon. Looking aggrieved and a little frightened, Peabody waded through the massing squirrels and pigeons and made a dash away with her sleeve. It's the free ager in her, Eve muttered. <laughs> so, funny. so eve has valerie brought in for further questioning because of yes yeah you know because <laughs> yes because yes yeah. because come on <laughs> yeah um baxter and Trueheart will stay on steinberger if he leaves the studio peabody learns that she ha she has a line in her cameo so that's exciting mm -hmm. hey, it is uh, Peabody gets to say it's the police <laughs> <laughs> which is fun <laughs> um, which is fun 
Peabody lets it slip to Valerie that they have a media conference coming up where they will announce that they have new information and expect to make an arrest soon. Eve cuts her off since she's bad cop. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I love how this always works. <laughs> Even these people who spend all this time studying them are like, you're the good cop, you're the bad cop, but they're still like totally falling for it. It's amazing. Love right. it. <laughs> so, um, Eve has Valerie review where she was sitting in the theater during the gag reel and why she didn't notice people coming and going since her seat would have been in the line of light whenever the door opened. Then she hits her with the $50,000 bonus. She the night after Asner's murder and also that Valerie moved to a VIP suite. Valerie is is indignant and Eve figures that she'll be on the link to Steinberger before she leaves the station. She she yep. had lots of work to do. It's totally right. legitimate, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, she's very important. Uh, Peabody thinks Eve put Valerie's head on the block, so Eve calls Connie and asks her to keep Valerie busy within her sight that afternoon. I think that's a good point. Yeah, I yeah. like. This was the first time I really thought about like when she she said that I was like, I wonder what. I wonder what is going through his head at this time. Like right. he, he has to be coming up with some sort of like next step. Yeah. Um, this, you know, before he gets literally it handed to him to be like, Oh, I can just make Julian take the fall for this. Right. Right. Well, he had already set that up though, because he had set that up the night before. Yeah. Right. But I'd like, I wonder when, at what point he was thinking of Connie. Yeah. Cause you know, he was, I think that they're hundred percent right. Connie was on the list to, Valerie. to be Valerie. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, for like sure. Valerie was totally going to be. Oh yeah, for sure. But and I because think he, of, he was already he, setting Julian up too. Yeah, he was. But I think that, I think that, he, I think that Valerie probably would have, he would have tried to kill her sooner than he thought. Yeah. Because at this point he's desperate. Yeah. That's why he makes right. all these mistakes. Yep. Because killers in an in-death novel. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, you killers away with it for just, so long. In general. In general. In general. Yeah. yeah. Nadine interviews Steinberger in his office, brings up his second wife's drowning death, Caulfield, <clears throat> Perlman, Dressler, and his old college housemate. So yeah, he's like, you know, oh, you might do you make connections between what happened here and what happened with these people? Right. It's like, um, no, no. no. So, <laughs> I mean, she's doing a great job as far as, you know, yeah. she really is. is. Um, so Steinberger says he refuses to believe that one of them, I'm assuming on the set killed KT and that it's an outsider, a caterer or a valet. Yeah. I'm sure that, yeah. Sure. That's uh-huh. what it was. Uh, yep. Yeah. I'm sure that's what it was. Convinced. Uh, <laughs> then he goes off record to tell her that he thinks he knows who did it, but hopes he's wrong and doesn't want to name names yet. Um, as Nadine leaves, Julian comes in looking like a mess. Yeah. And then uh, Steinberger, Steinberger had convinced. <laughs> yeah. Um, Steinberger had convinced Julian that he, Julian killed KT and then blacked out drunk but told him not to go to the police because it would ruin his career and wouldn't bring Harris back. 
He tells Julian to go back to his hotel room, drink some of the wine he brought him over the night before, and then relax in the whirlpool. Um, Because that's not suspicious. (laughs) Well, it isn't if you're Julian Cross because he's kind of a dummy dum-dum. I mean, (laughs) goober. That's a fucking goober. That's a a good way to describe it. <laughs> it's a dummy dum dum. <laughs> I stole that from Adam. Adam put that in, a, in one of our things uh, in basic snitches. And so I had to bring it full circle. <laughs> right. Um I you know, I don't know. Wine and whirlpools don't mix. No. Also, like come right. on. P- drinking alcohol and whirl- what the fuck? Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> um so during the search of Steinberger's apartment, Rourke finds a hidden compartment containing passcodes, swipe cards, and keys, all labeled, including Asner's vehicle code. Uh, they're about to head to uh, some restaurant. I'm not going to say that name. Uh, to interrupt Steinberger's <laughs> dinner when Nadine calls, worried about Julian. She's closer to his hotel, so Eve tells her she needs to have security escort her to his room. And she and Rourke are on their way. At the hotel, Julian drinks two glasses of the wine that Joel brought over and doctored, then remembers he's supposed to use the whirlpool, but passes out before he can get to it. Thank God. Um, you, you don't have to do everything this guy tells you to. No, like, right? right? Oh, my guy, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm doing it wrong. He's literally <laughs> instructing you how to commit suicide. Stop doing it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. Um, Nadine is able to convince the hotel manager to open this door. And then Eve comes in and punches Julian in the stomach to make him vomit. <laughs> Thanks, Eve. I mean, <laughs> that's one Eve's way to like do it. Violence sure. is the answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and managed to save her boots. Right? Yeah, and her good boots job. came out unscathed. Yeah. They and saving some of in an evidence bag for talks along with the bottle of wine. Um, Julian says that Joel brought over the wine yesterday, but there couldn't have been anything wrong with it because they each had a glass of it. Eve finds out that he left the room after Steinberger poured the wine, and also that there's an empty pill bottle with Harris's name on it, um, and it's a type of sleeping pill. Julian takes a different kind, but didn't take any of any that night. Um, Julian tells Eve he killed Harris, but as he gives her the details, it becomes clear that although um, he pushed her down, Steinberger was the one who dragged her body into the water and drowned her. Yep. Harris wanted Julian to give Mark. So I felt really bad about uh, Julian is a dummy, dum dum. You're you're right. But I kind of felt bad for him here because he really thought he had done it. Yeah. I know. I feel bad for him too. Yeah. Um, Harris wanted Julian to give Marlo a drink with rabbit. So in it, so that she would want to have sex with him. He told Harris to go to hell. And then uh, she, slapped him and shoved him then he shoved back causing her to fall um she wouldn't wake up and steinberger who thinks who he thinks of as a father was there steinberger told him that he had killed 
KT obviously was an accident, but nobody would believe him. And Eve was all about busting celebrities and not about the truth. So <laughs> he must not say anything. Julian asks Eve why Steinberger killed Harris and was going to kill him. And she says, it's kind of his hobby. <laughs> <laughs> he, he does this shit for fun. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he, yeah. Um, Nadine calls Louise to check on Julian, but so he doesn't have to go to the hospital and Eve tells her to give her 30 minutes and then it's okay to go live with Steinberger's arrest for murder. Uh, even Rourke go to the restaurant, which Rourke owns, of course. And <laughs> of course, um, cause Rourke, uh, despite that Eve badges her way in so she can give diners time to start tagging people and recording. <laughs> <laughs> good job, Eve. I know it's so good. <laughs> then has uniforms perp walk Steinberger out of the restaurant while Rourke orders food to go because <laughs> Rourke. Yeah. Rourke's like, um, but also we need to eat. So yeah, she needs to eat. So let's, you know, so food, take please. some food to go back at central surrounded by French food for everybody. Oh, <laughs> good job. You got enough for everybody. So nice. Um, he nice tells guy. Eve that when the uniforms picked Valerie up for accessory to murder, she was crying all the way through booking. And Eve says they will take her first, giving Steinberger time to figure out the spin and stew a while. Valerie waves her right to a lawyer so she doesn't have to go back into a holding cell while she waits and tells Eve who, le who left the theater and went. Steinberger had told Valerie that Julian killed Harris, but it was an accident and they needed to protect the project that Eve would have made it into that Eve would have made it into a murder to get more play. Ugh. Valerie also lied about the previous night because Steinberger had a date. Although he was estranged from his wife, he wanted to keep his personal life private. Steinberger said it would be easier to say they were together. Otherwise, she wouldn't have an alibi for Asner's murder either. So he's just manipulating everyone, essentially. Yeah, he's real good at that. Peabody softens Steinberger up, telling him there's been some discrepancies in his statements. He plays up, I was afraid Julian might try to take his own life angle, while Peabody says Julian is in a coma. It may not make it. Steinberger gives the version where Julian killed Harriet Harris, but it was an accident and he was just trying to help him. And Peabody asks about the dome, whether it was open or closed. And then when he reluctantly admits that he may have opened it and then closed it, Peabody asks if that was before or after he dragged Harris un Harris's unconscious body into the lap pool. <laughs> Um, Eve enters interview um, on cue, bringing a box of evidence, including the sex vid, Harris's monogrammed link, and the bag of codes and swipe cards. Steinberger is outraged that Eve would go through his home. Like They're always outraged that Eve goes they through are. their things. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, well, you were a fucking murder suspect because <laughs> you're the murderer. <laughs> right. So, yeah. yeah. Um, she adds that she also went through his office and car and that California police are going through his West Coast home as well. He says he's entitled to have access to go wherever he needs to and asks if she knows who he is. Um, 
do you know who I am? Yeah. <laughs> nope. I have no idea. Like, who's, why do people say that shit? Why do they say that? Do you know who I am? No. Like, yeah. I do, and I don't care, you fucker. Like, <laughs> it's funny. Eve tells him that she will lock him in a cage um, for every day, for every life he ended. Peabody adds that she tried to help him and that they have a witness who saw him entering Asner's office the night he was murdered. And he didn't wipe the murder. Um, this says he didn't wipe the murder bird off carefully enough. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because he used the, oh, yeah. the uh, Maltese I love Falcon. calling it a murder yeah. bird. <laughs> murder bird. That, that's why I was like murder confused. Bird. This person, murder bird. <laughs> His stories fall apart and he mostly confesses to everything, telling Eve he would have made her, he would have made her with this production and she goads him into more confessions, including killing Asner and that he was just protecting himself because Asner was going to go to the police. And Harris, who would have been nothing without him, but had no loyalty or gratitude. And Julian, who couldn't even die without being told how and rude. still messed it up. So fucking rude. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. The worst. Even Rourke go home to celebrate the fact that they closed nine murders. Nobody tried to punch her in the face, stab her, stun her, or blow her up. Which sad because she was really wanting to try out that, uh, yeah. that jacket. Um, and she avoided getting puke or blood on her boots for an entire day with, and they have half drunk sex. Honestly. And right. that's how it winds up. Good, a good way to end the day or the, yeah, the right. case. So, okay. Uh, commendations. McNabb. Just, I think he's wonderful in this book. I think he stands up for Peabody. He does his thing. And he, I think he works harder in this case because of, her resemblance to Peabody, even though he realizes right. that yeah. this whole she is. Um, I want to say Peabody. Um, Good. Especially that like last part where, where Eve lets her interview Steinberger first. Mm -hmm. And then she goes in like, it's a really, really fucking strong scene. Mm -hmm. And I always, I always love when we get an opportunity to see that. Yeah. Right. We get to see like how she's grown. Um, but also just like, I don't know, just in general, she's just fucking fun in this book. Yeah, yeah she's, she really she, is. She continually provides like everything we expect from Peabody, like a nice balance of humor. But also she is still this very empathetic and like good presence always. Mm -hmm. And so just a lot of Peabody being herself, which we love. But I do love this the, the scene where she is yeah. interviewing Stein Steinberger. Yeah, that's a great I, I really love how twist. through this whole book, she's just so incensed by KT. Like, yeah. right. And she's yeah. just like, she's like, she's, you know, she, she's worked her ass off to be a good cop. And like, mm -hmm. you know, this is her, this is, it's like the invasion of herself. And she's yeah. like, right, yeah, because especially shit, since KT like used her name so often and like yeah. opened up accounts in her right. name, it's like that sucks. It's, it does suck. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I I think I'm gonna give mine to Nadine because Nadine 
really does Safe. kind of like <laughs> she saves Julian's life, <laughs> right? She saves oh, Julian's okay. life first of all, yeah. um, but secondly, yeah, the interview was really critical to all of this. Yeah, you know, and um, she'll get a book out of it probably. She will. Yeah. <laughs> ready for ready for her to win another big award. Or yeah, three. another big award. Um, so we we have to go through the red horse thing first, though. Yeah. Yes. She's just, you know, just going to have a series. You'll be like, oh my God, the, the Nadine first Eve Dallas series. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fun. It's kind of like a, a movie about uh, someone who is playing Peabody <laughs> or Peabody <laughs> working on the case where someone is playing her. Like, it's just that nice little yeah, got a lot parallel of- there. Just yeah. uh, Nadine and her Eve Dallas series. Do we yeah. have comments on Facebook? I think we had like two. Oh. Yeah, we didn't have very many comments on this one. Yeah. I think that there was like one or two on Facebook. So on Facebook, uh, Lynn Look said, this one pleased my people magazine love and soul. I thought the <laughs> actors, no feenies, that face, and director were interesting. And we got introduced to Kyung. Two scenes at the party were my faves. When Mavis spells out swear words until Eve reminds her she doesn't have to, and Mavis lets out a string of curses and says, God, that felt good. And when you get the get to compare and contrast of McNabb and Matthew Zank, Nora's scene was just delightful. I will say, though, I lost a little respect for Eve for liking egg creams. How can a woman who, think, who nitpicks out uh, aph- aphorisms? Oh, no, sorry. Yeah. Uh, enjoy a drink that contains neither eggs nor cream. When I had my first egg cream after childhood of reading books set in NYC, I was bitterly disappointed by a drink that tasted worse than Yoohoo. I don't even know what that is. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what then, egg- uh, You don't know what, what is? What an what egg, egg cream, cream is. is. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then uh, Chinita said i was born and bred in new york and i love egg creams basically chocolate <laughs> milk soda true but not made in bulk each one is made individually maybe that's the difference and then lynn whitfield said the audiobook for this novel is brilliant and a great one for replays i find the story to be the funniest and most witty of all the in-death books it's a rare one in the murders that are not gory or super violent and we don't have to suffer through the whiny monologues of the villain Please, body and skinny bitches exchanges were hella hilarious. You have to laugh when Peabody gets a thrill over the idea that her faux counterpart slept with both faux McNabb and faux Rourke. <laughs> and the short scene when a popcorn holding Peabody flees from a pack of squirrels and pigeons is a hoot. It doesn't happen that often. Rourke shrugs when his wife grouses about how much she hates having to investigate a murder at a party she's attending. He's highly amused watching Eve interrogate his counterpart, who is the complete opposite of him, except maybe in the shagging every pretty woman he comes across department. <laughs> in fact, all the actors are the opposites of who they portray, except Mavis, who is so out there that only she can portray herself. And even Feeney's yeah. mortification at watching part of the sex tape was too funny. This book, in my opinion, also has the most heart flutters of all the ID books. You're not perfect, Eve tells Rourke as he gives her a huge mug of coffee. And that makes you just exactly right. Their later coffee yeah. conversation in chapter 12 is my favorite scene of the book, where he admits privately to himself he would have done anything to make sure she'd never be happy without his coffee. 
including groveling when they return home. He gives her a glorious bronze magic coat featuring buttons in the shape of her badge. And Eve being charmed by Mr. Mira's mismatched socks is a big awe moment. McNabb asking Peabody if she wants, McNabb's asking if Peabody wants him to ask her to get married and his declaration, you have to know you're it for me, Peabody the one, is a huge, oh my God, I love them moment. They, uh, they admit they're not quite ready to be adults and get married, but they do agree they'd be open to having kids in the future. And lastly, Nadine totally rocks in this book. I'm taking the cookies. She retorts when Eve refuses <laughs> to give back her link so she can phone in KT's death. She reveals the idea of a producer in death novel, uh, manipulates Steinberger into an interview while wearing a wire and saves Julian's life. I am disappointed in Nadine giving prime airtime to the sleazebag monster McQueen, given he almost managed to kill Eve twice. But then I would feel that way about all reporters who give airtime to abusive monsters so that they can gloat about all the bad things they've done to their victims. Overall, I like, I love this book for so many reasons. If Heidi and Emily ever get around to reviewing this book, I think they will love it too. So many heart flutters throughout. She also said, a thought occurred to me while listening to the review, the reviews for chaos and fan casting was brought up again. Is it possible that so many of us older of, of us picture older actors playing even Rourke because the characters themselves seem so much older than their stated ages. They both experienced so much upheaval and difficulty in their first 20 years that one could easily see them behaving much older than their actual age. I think it's one of the reasons they seem so much older than Peabody and McNabb, who are only maybe six to eight years their junior. That's a good point. It is. Definitely, definitely to be. That's, there's be an age and act in a different age. So. Yeah. Right. Well, also, that's, right. a, that's a fun thing we could uh, make an episode about, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay, write it down. <laughs> so otherwise we'll forget. Because we'll forget. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Okay. It's a podcast business. Okay. <laughs> now a podcast business. Um, so I <laughs> so here's the thing. I don't want um Cindy to feel like we're picking on her because we're not at all. No, not a bit. Not at all. Um, but it's just interesting that um, what she wrote to us and what we wrote, we read her uh, email on the show and that prompted other people to kind of speak up about kind of what, what they like about the show or, you know. Sure. Um, one of those people was Beatrice. Mm-hmm. She hasn't, she hasn't sent us an email for a while, but um, yeah. so she says, hi ladies. I would never have remembered the drummer's name as Rocky, but after random, I will never forget his name is Mac. <laughs> <laughs> I've always thought that Jake and Avenue a are loosely based on Bruce Springsteen and the E street band E street versus Avenue a and Feeney going on about the legendary boss in one of her books. So Bruce I mean, is definitely on Nora's radar. I can buy that. Yeah. And when the drummer named Mac was mentioned in random, I had to laugh because Bruce's drummer is Max mm-hmm. Weinberg. Oh. So I, for one, would be sad to have Rocky make an appearance if that means we lose Mac Max. <laughs> I love it. Um, as for Cindy's concerns about we review the reviews, her emails, her email was an excellent example on how to disagree in a civil way. 
bringing up some good points and have the other side have a reasonable and respectful discussion. But respect and civility are not a one-way street, and I feel that reviewers you rip apart belong to two groups. One that needs to learn some manners and figure out how to express criticism in a respectful way. And a second one that is just out there to troll and get a reaction. I agree with that 100%. And neither of them deserves a reasonable and respectful discussion because they themselves are neither of those things. When someone doesn't like a book and gives some valid reasons, you are usually not tearing them down because their feelings are valid and tastes are different. But if they set the tone of the discussion by being pretentious assholes, then they don't really deserve better. And if they want to use big words, then they better make sure they check spelling before posting. <laughs> yes. You're yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I understand Cindy's concerns, but there are two sides that would need to adhere to respectful commentary. And as long as one side doesn't, I'm going to enjoy your way of reviewing the reviews. Keep up the good work, ladies. Oh, thanks, Beatrice. So, thanks, Beatrice. And yeah, and I think that's what that's what it boils down to. I mean, I think we, you know, we're not mean to anybody that doesn't deserve it. Not to be an actor. No. And, not generally, like I, you know, I think every once in a while, but we're always, we're always trying to be better, and we, yeah, yeah. and we totally yeah. get Cindy's concerns, and if they're not for her, they're not for her, and that's okay. Absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, she doesn't have to listen to those episodes. No, and that's fine. It's not like she's gonna miss a lot if she misses that. No. I mean, she's gonna, <laughs> she's gonna miss us being stupid, but other than that, right. she's, not gonna, she's not gonna miss any major discussion points on the review the yeah. episodes. So, yeah. absolutely, you know, that's. That's fine. Yeah. She's like, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we got another email from Andrea. And she says, hi, AJ, Jen, and Tara. I started listening to the podcast last summer and I'm still catching up on the shows. I started reading the series in 2009. So being late and missing the whole beginning is nothing new for me. <laughs> I love the podcast. You are all so witty, opinionated, and well-spoken. Back in 2009, I started reading the series when my Aunt Laura sent, let me borrow the first 25 books she already had. I was able to binge read the series in a few months, and my local library had the remaining books to get current. I would often miss releases of new books, but would just read two or three until I was up to date. I was lucky that if I wanted to fangirl geek out about the books, my Aunt Laura was right there with me. As I've been catching up on the podcast, I was wondering if you would ever go back and review the reviews of the first 11 books. I have come to appreciate the format change to include the Review the Reviews episodes as part of the commentary on the books. I was hoping that the visitors, like the ladies from Romancing the Shelf, I'll be adding that to my listening list soon too, would provide the opportunity to go back and review the reviews of the beginning of the series. I know there was another listener who recently shared that the review of the reviews were her least favorite episodes, but I wanted to let you know that I feel the opposite. (laughs) If this is part of the content on Patreon, that will just give me an excuse to go check that out too. Take care and thanks for all the entertainment, Andrea. Um, Hey. Yeah, we could do that for Patreon. Patreon. Review the reviews of the first 11 books. 11 books? Yeah. 
We could do that. And I give us another patron. Hell. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But also, um, it would be kind of fun to have Heidi and Emily on and review the reviews of one of the books that they've read. Yeah. Yeah. Because those are, that's where they are in the series as they are earlier in the series. Yeah. That would be fun. And maybe like um, Holiday, I think it's Holiday, because that's the last one they read. Okay. And they liked it so much. Yeah. So it might be fun to, well, listen to this review. Yeah. Right. (laughs) You know that you like this book so much, but this person did not. (laughs) Right. So what do you have to say about that? (laughs) Um, And they're so sweet. They'll be like, um, well. (laughs) I know. Yeah. They would not. It would not be the same if they did. They would not be like us. No. No, which is kind of why it works we for us. Them. Yeah. And it wouldn't, and it's, yeah, it's why we love them. First of all. Yeah. But it's why that format works for us and not, not. And probably wouldn't for them. Right. Yeah. Because they're just too nice. They are. Which we and love about them. Yes, yes, we do. They're wonderful humans. So, <laughs> but we do want to have them on again and, and, uh, yes, nice for to sure. be able Probably to discuss farther into the series. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Be nice to discuss vengeance with them. Yeah, for sure. Because oh it's God, so yes. funny because they didn't really talk that much about Rourke having committed these murders. I mean, they did. Yeah, <laughs> but it wasn't like they didn't. It didn't. They didn't seem particularly shocked or really that well, bothered I mean, by it. We kind of knew about it before the book came out. It's just I think people right. have. I think the problem people have with that book is that the methods are so graphic. It's yeah. very graphic. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, and it's hard to imagine Rourke doing that to people. So yeah, um, so yeah, so that's something that we'll we'll definitely look into coming up. Yeah, uh, Susan Erickson had posted that she had just finished the or the uh, Sarah Petretsky book Pay Dirt was just released, and she has just she did the um, it, the audio for that. Oh, okay, and Maureen Lee. Uh, she uh, answered that and said, dang, I worship you in between death, in death and VI. Your voice is a treasure. St. Susan of Erickson. <laughs> and then Susan answered and said, wow, that, that was nice of you. That made my day. Oh, Susan. And Maureen so says, great. we adore the episodes when you are on podcast and death. So Susan uh-huh. hasn't answered her yet, but. And so talking about that, Susan. Since yeah. people like it so much, how about you come on for like the fourth time? Yeah. Yeah. Come join us. <laughs> um, we'll have Open to do that. Invitation too. for Susan. So in, in, in saying that again, we're going to try to have Susan on for our fourth anniversary. And so if you have any questions for her, um, let us know. Yep. You know, um, contact us on any of our social medias, uh, you know, Facebook or uh, Instagram, or if you want to send us an email, you can send it to show at podcastanddeath.com. Um, if you want to call the number, the number is 205-476-2753. And that spells out 2054-ROARC. Um, having said that, we do have a lot of people on, on the Facebook basically saying like, oh, you should have Susan, like, I don't know, do that. Read, uh, reviews in an e-voice or in another voice or do so. And Tara and I were just talking that it just seems, I don't know. I mean, I could ask her to do that. Um, It just seems wrong, but it seems like I'm asking her to work. 
you know? Yeah. It yeah. seems like we're, I'm asking her to perform for us. And I don't really, right. I don't know that right. I really want to do that. Also, it seemed that some of the other interviews we had with her, it seemed like she's also very protective of those voices mm-hmm. and how she does them. Right. And, you know, um, so I, I wouldn't want to do anything that would make her okay. feel weird about. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, so so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure it's something we could bring up maybe when we interview her. I'm mm-hmm. I'm just hesitant to ask her to do that on the show. Right. Yeah. Um. So I'm more interested in like you guys giving us your questions that you have for her, if you have any. Yep. Or any comments that you have for her, I'll read those to her too. Definitely. Um. So anyway, yeah, that's uh, that's all coming up. I'm still working on the 200th episode. So if you do have a suggestion for something that you want us to include in a 200th episode, let, let me know. Um, and next week, again, we don't know what we're doing, but we'll figure nope. it out. We'll figure it out. Uh, yeah, Tara's like, Tara sent me a message and it's like, is there any kind of a list of potential <laughs> episode topics that we I was like, no, why would there be a list? That's silly yeah <laughs> even though there actually is and, yeah. and tara did uh add to it some of your suggestions so we're open to those too so send yep. us a message on any of our socials uh if you have an idea for an episode too yep and i think that's it that's all i have for um for podcast business so okay. unless you guys have anything else Perfect. to add no you guys never yeah. have anything else you should think of something to add oh, one day and oh, surprise I will think me of something next time i will <laughs> I'll be work shocked. on that I'll be like oh you do have something else? oh yeah you know. I'll, I'll think of something for next think time think of something for next time so okay so i guess that's it for this episode of podcast and death so for podcast and death this is aj and this is jen this is tara and we'll see you next week guys bye, bye guys, guys. Bye. thank you Thank you for listening to Podcast in Death. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. Podcast in Death is hosted by Amy Ryan, Jen Terpstra, and Tara Corkery, and is edited and produced by Amy Ryan. The opinions expressed on this show are for entertainment purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the in-death fandom at large. Podcast In-Death is not in any way affiliated with Nora Roberts, Berkeley, Penguin Publishing Group, or St. Martin's Press. Our theme song is Justice Never Sleeps by Cosmo and is available on Shutterstock.com. This episode and all of our previous episodes are available at podcastindeath.com. Have something to say? You can email us at show at podcastindeath.com or find us on social media by searching for Podcast in Death on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, you can call us and leave a message at 205-476-2753. That spells out 205-4-ROARCH. Thanks again for listening. And in the immortal words of Brian Kelly, 
fucking slotchy.